A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Absa. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. And we are here on the big show, the main show, the superstar destroyer of our Sith fleet, to talk about the rise of the bonus features. <laughs> well, uh, we're in Mexico? We are in Mexico. If you look out our window, it sure feels like it. <laughs> uh, we are in Mexico. Uh, we are... Um, are we clones? We're clones. We are, are we zealots? <laughs> zealots. We're Sith eternal. <laughs> uh, we are all the bad things. No, we are uh, two... Uh, uh, just humble gents trying to work our way through the galaxy, <laughs> right? Uh, the humble gents. They fought for peace and justice <laughs> in the old times, they did. the before times. I think they also opened up for the Flying Burrito Brothers <laughs> after Woodstock. We uh, are the humble gents. <laughs> yeah. Applaud if you want to. We're humble. <laughs> 
It's a great sketch, or maybe not. Maybe not a great sketch. Maybe a good improv premise. Uh, we are going to be discussing a little bit later today uh, the rise of the uh, the rise of the Skywalker, the rise of Skywalker bonus features, digital copy, suddenly released. And Joseph, last year I remember, or last time, um, not so much solo, but last Jedi. Yeah, I remember we kind of had a little bit of the old old school grumpy guy. God, we had to buy the digital version. Get it on the computer. I wanted to walk into Target. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Without hesitation, probably due to larger circumstances in life, was like, I get to watch Star Wars all weekend. <laughs> Thank you, corporate overlords. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It, it is a weird time in general, but a weird time when you're like, huge corporation <laughs> Disney. Thank you for the gift of buying something yeah. <laughs> four to five days early. Uh, yeah. But it, it did. It honestly did feel like a gift in the it explosion. Did. You know, we, we do cherish our uh, listener community and all the people who tweeted at mm-hmm. us. It's available. It's available. It was great. And yeah, I, mm. I said to my wife, can we buy in the yes? Yes. <laughs> yes. Bam. So we're going to be diving into that because uh, not only is the movie there and it's a big week. You got the novel coming up. We're going to be doing our review of the novelization later in the week. But these docs, as as we we know, and I thought even the solo one, a lot of featurettes that I love, but the Last Jedi one, just a lot of material there. Uh, Joseph, we just felt it was perfect timing to, to dive into this a little bit later on the show today. Yeah, absolutely, because yeah. those bonus fe- features uh, were rich, mm. richer than I imagined. So I'm I'm excited to dive in as the main topic. <laughs> like four pages of notes, richer. Uh, <laughs> before we do that, we always like to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30 day free trial at audibletrial.com slash four center over 180,000 titles perhaps even rising to choose from for your iphone android kindle or mp3 player a little bit later we'll have a four center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us and uh well, there's probably a hint in uh, what's going to come. Um, <laughs> as always, we like to start with our Star Wars or life adventures. And look, Joseph, let's acknowledge uh, to a certain degree, it's a topsy-turvy time. Yeah, let's call a pandemic a pandemic. <laughs> it's uh, yes. not hyperbole. The, uh, you know, World Health yeah. Organization, who? Uh, the organization that screws up your Googling when you're looking up stuff about Doctor <laughs> Who. Uh, they have declared it a, a pandemic, and yeah. a lot of people are spending time in their homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I are at a good social distance apart as we, we podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's great that podcasts are one of the things that uh, can roll on. The great uh, podcast explosion of 2020. <laughs> what caused that? <laughs> eh, don't worry about that. Uh, yeah, we are happy to, uh, uh, Joseph and I aren't heroes, folks, but we're braving the conditions to record in the same room. <laughs> uh, hands are washed, uh, mouths covered. Uh, we're going to be diving in that. But, but we normally yeah. hold hands while we record. Yeah. We're not doing that. Changing that, changing that around. As Poe Dameron would say, hands? We're doing hands? Um <laughs> Uh, Joseph, uh, how, how, how have your adventures been the last few days? Good, good, good. It is, it is such a weird, uh, weird time. Um, had uh, one uh, nice fan tweet us about, like, maybe you guys should do a special episode about Fear versus Hope, which was a very nice, huh. uh, a nice thought, a nice reaching out. Uh, I do get solace from trying to be brave and thoughtful, mm-hmm. like heroes from Star Wars. And yeah. I think... Uh, I was one of my last venturings out into the world was uh, early last week mm. talking to a friend. Uh, uh, and, you know, obviously it's a lot of scary stuff. There is a lot of fear. There's a lot of negativity. But uh, the thing that I found coming out of my mouth was like, well, I hope it'll be a hopeful reminder that we're all 
connected and what's good mm. for one of us is good for the other. And the whole sort of, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi symbiotic circle, but yeah. the idea of that we're in this together, which is why we should try to be kind, which is why we should try to imagine other people's point of view. But when you get down to something like this, just really that idea mm. of, hey, if something bad is happening to uh, the Naboo people, yeah. it's going to affect the Gungan people. And that, and I just feel like that's the the way we are of we're connected techni- technologically, yeah. financially, everything. We can feel like we're in our own silos. Of we're, we're Star Wars fans. What, do we, what, what does Star yeah. Trek have to do with this? Yeah. We silo ourselves so much. I think there can be a positive of just reminding uh, us that we're, we're all so connected and it's a good reason to try to, to treat one another the way we want to be treated. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's interesting that uh, of all the Star Wars movies, Phantom Menace should be the one the world <laughs> watches. And and there you go. Finally, some justification for us prequels out there. Yeah. Um, and you've been, I know you've been doing the responsible thing as best you can staying home. Does that mean more Battlefront time or have you had to discipline yourself? I ha- I've had to discipline myself. I did. I did get some in. It's really funny for me because the, I think the effect hasn't fully hit. Like I'm feeling yes. the, the stress in the anxiety i have uh, canceled shows mm. I, I, there's so much that i'm wondering about in my own future all those anxieties but on a functional level mm. i work from home yeah in this weekend i, I was g- gonna have a writing retreat i was gonna be outside of my home so mm. i had to cancel that so i was still in my home but i was like i'm trying to write i'm trying to stay caught up with uh star wars news i'm trying yeah. to stay up with social media and like and everybody else is like i'm watching all of fast and furious or i'm going out of my mind and like <laughs> this is my day to day like it, it, just the idea of being at home more often and working yeah. from home uh doesn't as i saw somebody else tweeting like those of us who work from home all the time just cuz you're at home doesn't mean what am i going to do yeah I have a bunch of free time. It means work from home. Yeah. Uh, as as uh, uh, John McClain would say, welcome to the party, pal. I've, <laughs> I've been in this boat since uh, about January 2018, as has uh, my girlfriend Grace. And uh, I know you've been even even longer than that. But, yeah. Uh, and I'm, we're not saying that, I'm not saying this lightly or flippantly. It's just, yeah, no, th- this is what we do. We you have to wake up and set times and, and and organize your day. And I actually found myself been more busy the last few days. Yeah. Uh, and I, I mean that in a good way. Just uh, takes your mind off some things. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to I'm going to play some Battlefront after we're done recording. <sighs> I've already God just decided you. to let go. Let go. Like let go. An Ewok with a bow. Let go. <laughs> Greatest sound in the world. <laughs> Uh, I had a, I did have some adventures and that's, yes, you did. and that's been weird. So as this, as this started to, to, to grow and really this, this situation has been growing since what, mid-December, but you know, you keep ab- tabs on it. I, I definitely believe in the don't panic thing, but that does not mean not pay attention or not be concerned, not be prepared, just prepared, just head on a swivel. We'll get through it. Let's, let's do what you need to do type of situation. But I had some travel plans, some shows planned. I did have to go to Las Vegas. That was where we recorded last week. And then we we had a trip plan that includes ticket spot, hotel, two friends uh, taking me for an early birthday gift to Disneyland. Right. And we, I, I did a lot of research and thought, and I said, you know what, we're, we're going to go through with this and we're going to go to this trip. And as we got down to our hotel room Wednesday night, situations changed around the world. And we had some great pause. Uh, maybe, I don't know, you know, you never know. You never know. Maybe you took a risk you didn't know. I was pretty confident. Okay, no joke. Not not being flipping here either. I, I I was coughed on at my Target, not coughed on at Disneyland. You know, <laughs> but 
I did get to experience Galaxy's Edge, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later, Joseph. Now that I've been there, I can get up to speed with you and yeah. even Jennifer, who's been there, and and talk about it. Uh, we just we'll, we'll do that down the line when it's open for people to enjoy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was going to be our main topic. So yeah. I'm so excited that you were finally getting to go, oh, and yeah. it's been a while since I've I've gone. So I was really excited to talk about it and really hear your perspective and your experience there. Yeah, and then it just once it closed. It just seemed cruel to be like, yeah, here's the thing. None of us can do and until unknown times right now. Yeah, I, mean, I was have uh, only closed through a certain time now, but we'll, time. we'll see what happens. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I was on the uh, Disney Choo Choo train going around and uh, when uh, it broke on Twitter, that they were closing the park on Saturday and I was there on Thursday. And, it, you know, again, even as, uh, as prepared as someone I, I like to think I am or I've been in, in weird, tough situations before. This is nothing like that, but just like my mind goes to those places. So I was like, yeah, OK. But the last thing, we didn't leave because I had to go on Rise of Resistance. <laughs> well, yeah. I say had with quotation marks, but we had our boarding group and it was coming up. And I was like, let's do that and then we'll go. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure that was amazing. It is everything that's cracked up to be in, in a surprising way. Uh, even some of the things that you've seen and clips and everything to be there and experience it. And there's some surprises I'll, I'll, I'll probably even keep until you get to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I only know bits and pieces. So luckily yeah. though, the big thing has big things haven't been spoiled for me yet. So that was my adventure and we'll talk about it when it's appropriate. Yeah. It's a good adventure. And I, mm. uh, I have uh, hope and faith that, uh, mm. that we will uh, work together and that yeah. we will, you know, get past it. And yeah. uh, we will be able to go to rise of the resistance again. Uh, absolutely. Hoping that hoping for the best. And, uh, be mindful of the living force. Be present, uh, Anakin. Your focus determines reality. Just remember everything Qui-Gon says, and we'll get through this. Yes, right? concentrate on the cosmic force. Yes. Don't let the living force cough on you. <laughs> yes. <I> think <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> We're going to go to the news here. And, you know, every week, uh, the last couple of weeks, other than some of the big items, and, you know, Joseph and I here at Force Center uh, and Jennifer as well, part of the team as well, of course, we try to avoid some of the clickbaity stuff and getting rolling yeah. up our sleeves and getting some of that nasty stuff. So I always have this... It's a lesson, Joseph. I always approach the news, news of <laughs> there's not going to be a lot of news. And you know what? Again, not a lot of news, but a lot of great things to discuss when you yeah. dig in. First thing on our agenda here, uh, the new episodes of Galaxy of Adventures on Star Wars Kids YouTube, YouTube channel. We've been uh, enjoying these, this series. Uh, I catch it when I can. We covered it when they, they debuted. But three new episodes. We also got a trailer of some stuff coming, but three new episodes were released. Ray and Friends versus the First Order. <laughs> the Force Calls to Ray and Kylo Ren and Darth Vader. Uh, overall, Joseph, just dive in. What, did you watch them? I'm sure you did, but also, what do you what do you think? What's your overall thoughts? Yeah, I was really, really happy to see the announcement that they're coming back. Uh, I love the animation. I love the studio that does it. Uh, Titmouse is mm. a great place. Uh, Titmouse does the uh, animation for the show that uh, I write for Tigtone, mm. uh, which is, you know, so uh, it feels a little bit to me like, oh, cool. I get to see some of the other stuff uh, made by mm. Titmouse, and it's in the Star Wars world that I love. I was excited with the sequel trilogy yes. announcement that they're going to play with these characters. Um, so overall, just really excited by... Also, it feels like they're playing a little bit with what it is. Yeah. Because uh, it felt like, you know, they had this sort of, like, fact file episodes before, mm. and then they had the, like, let's animate this scene that exists. Right. Um, and it feels like they're they're playing a little bit more. Yeah, I called these uh, three like kind of overview adventures of just like here's some 
scenarios because I was expecting, like, especially the force calls to Ray, I was, I was expecting something really, really specific. Yeah. And there was some specific stuff in there. But the Ray and Friends versus the First Order, that was like, I'm calling it like a complete new mission. It was kind of wonderfully out of canon. And it was, it was weirdly out of canon. Starler, Starkiller base, sort of, maybe. Or you could go, okay, well, it's another snow no, planet. Another snow planet. Poe's got his Pasana adventure indie gear on. <laughs> it was yeah. all, and it Ray's is. got her, her new outfit, yeah. but not her saber. She's using right. her staff, which like, okay, there's canonical uh, uh, evidence of right. that in, in the, the books. Yeah. And I liked it. Yeah. Because I was like, gimme, gimme, gimme. But then they all see jet troopers, which it does appear like they've seen for the first time. <laughs> yeah. So, you know what? It, it, I, I was watching it like trying to do the normal kind of fun game of like, okay, well, how do you slot this into canon? And I just felt like this isn't canon. This yeah. is kids playing with their action figures. Yep. Right. Like Return of the Jedi came out back in 83. And um, a lot of the action figures that you'd want to play with were... Uh, we're dead. Yeah. <laughs> but you made up a new adventure with the Emperor and, uh, and Vader and uh, Luke Skywalker and, you know, uh, who's, Job the Hutt was still alive. Who's uh, the one kid in the neighborhood that's like, can't play with Palpatine? Can't play with him. He's dead. Gone I off the table. I did not know the word canon, but I. <laughs> but we made up stories for the action figures, and we oh. had to be like, well, how is this working? <laughs> I mean, did he... Uh, well, and we'll talk about that more. He, yeah, we will. <laughs> some stuff happened. Yeah. Uh, the point is, watching that episode felt a little like, who cares? These yeah. are the characters you know in cool costumes at a location you know fighting cool troops. It felt like an illustration of the spirit of it. Not a specific canon adventure that they're having. Solid reminder, the purpose of these is to help get uh, Star Wars into the minds, it sounds so nefarious, but into the minds of really, really young fans who are going <laughs> to react and aren't going to care about the stuff. Yeah. They're just going to be like, cool, cool, Ray, robot guy, Kylo guy. Like, And <laughs> I, I think uh, they really succeeded. And they're just fun. The pacing's great. They The look is amazing. Oh, yeah. I like the Ren Vader one a lot. Yeah. the the Both the, uh, the Force Calls to Ray and the Kylo Ren and Darth Vader seemed like let's get star wars poetry into kids mm. heads oh yeah because they, they they are careful to not spoil things right mm-hmm. so they kind of yes, yeah. create uh, the 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 visual connections between vader and kylo ren to let a kid go how are they different how are they the same how are they separated in time i want to know so that one's like really explicit. And then the force calls to Ray is almost just using kind of visual language. Yeah. Well, I guess literal language. Cause Maz says this lightsaber belonged to Luke yeah. and his father. And now it calls to you. And it ends with that shot of her in like the classic Luke on the poster. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. she had that same pose in last Jedi on some posters as well, but it just on this sort of deep thematic and visual level is advertising that's part of the point of these stories yeah. is that there are cycles and there are generations and they are connected i love what you're saying i'm just kind of laying it down for the youngsters uh, and when i say it out loud it sounds worse than it is here's how you should love star wars but it's part of it and i think i still think this is such a very well-conceived series that yeah. disney's put out uh, or lucasfilm specifically uh final question about this you know they're in the sequel era what do what are you looking for? Anything specific? We, we've seen a lot of the original trilogy, some Clone Wars stuff, and, and that stuff could bleed back in, obviously, with the connections. But anything specific you want? Ooh, um, I wouldn't mind seeing them animate the uh, Pisana speeder chase. That would be Ooh, fun yeah. if they're going to do something uh, that, uh, you know, directly from it. Since they're pushing in that direction, I wouldn't mind some very short canon adventures. Like, yeah. uh, the gang meets Claude, you know? <laughs> Ooh. Oh, I love that idea. 
like really kind of little small things or Poe gets his uh, neckerchief that he wears. (laughs) (laughs) Poe versus the haberdashers. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I like that idea. I like because, yeah, you're right. Some of the first series, the the numbers ones were really good by the numbers. So some of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think. Finn finds his blue pants. <laughs> like a little, th- there's, the, the animation is so cool. You don't need a big canon mm-hmm. moment. You don't need a big narrative arc, but just like a little fun thing, yeah. you know? How about the Ewoks versus the First Order? We get to see oh, yeah. Wicket and Pommet and everyone take oh, on the yeah. First Order. Yeah. Uh, in my mind, it is an Ewok pilot doing that hold maneuver <laughs> over the forest of Endor, and I... <laughs> Maybe it a is. little, a little adult. <laughs> it is. It is. It is Maplu, son of Paplu. <laughs> yeah, it does it. Yeah, excited just for more because they're just they're beautiful to look at, and they get to the heart and the spirit of yeah. Star Wars, mm-hmm. no matter what. Speaking of heart and spirit of Star Wars, that is something that is needed in every Star Wars project. But when you go into new territories, you need to figure out what that is for new parts of Star Wars media. And Justina Ireland is part of the High Republic series that is soon to sweep the Star Wars world. And she talked about her High Republic book, Test of Courage, which is a middle grade reader. This is an interview with Polygon.com. Uh, but shout out to Star Wars News Net that uh, had a link to it. Otherwise, I quite frankly wouldn't have seen it. Mm-hmm. It didn't go around. So kudos to them. Uh, quick notes on what this is. We finally get an overview of, of this story and, and a little bit more insight into what the High Republic might be. Uh, some highlights. Uh, Test of Courage will follow a young Jedi named Vernestra Rowe. W- <laughs> no, R-W-O-H. Rowe? I guess uh, it has to be said like your Scooby-Doo, I guess. <laughs> uh, and she's going to be escorting the son of an ambassador through a jungle moon. Uh, the story takes place over a couple weeks, though. As we know a lot of the High Republic storytelling will take place over a long period of time. All of it part of the uh, larger picture. Uh, big question for the series. She was talking about this. And I thought of all the things, there's a lot of things she said here, Joseph. But what haven't we seen in Star Wars and what haven't we talked about? What do you think about those two big ideas and big questions there? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the heart of what is exciting about the High Republic is that elbow room to go, ooh, what, what am I really interested in as a writer and mm-hmm. what and has it really been explored in Star Wars? And I think for her uh, going on to talk a, a little bit about how this uh, main character, uh, Vernestra Rowe, is a 16-year-old and a Jedi. Yeah. And we haven't seen, uh, mm. this sounds kind of flippant, but I mean, it is a compliment. We haven't seen the Doogie Hauser of the Jedi. Like, <laughs> Anakin is the chosen one. Yeah. And Luke is super powerful and Rey is super powerful, but we do kind of catch up with them all when they go through their journey and they're mm. kind of in their, we skip this awkward phase for Anakin and yeah. we know canonically that he was kind of put through the normal he wasn't treated different different because around. by the jedi because he was the chosen one so th- that's already a different story of like mm-hmm. what happened to this 16 year old that she is a fully ranked jedi knight right and yeah. still a kid so like right away like okay like great that. the premise has something new even even very different than ahsoka uh, yeah. same age group range right but no but this is she's fully a formed. padawan Pad- yeah, yeah. I like that idea. Uh, she talked, uh, this was interesting to me, because obviously the rumors of the High Republic being attached to the, the movies, it's understandable whether it's fully rumors or not, or might eventually come true. We don't know right now. Uh, Justina Island talked about the freedom of doing this in books uh, because of no budget, no budget in books. 
Uh, you know, unless it's an economy of words, uh, but you should, uh, that brought a lot more freedom of working in new territory. She went in a little bit more detail of, cause she wrote what spark of the resistance. Yeah. She's played within canon, played within Land the of pockets. Lux, she wrote as well. Right, yeah. right, right. So now she's got a lot more room and even more room than you'd have in a movie. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, no, I'm very excited by that. I think that really shows itself in the novels and is going to continue that we can make that strong emotional connection to alien characters that might take more work to realize on screen. I think that's why we see so many uh, Chadra fans. Mm. Uh, yeah. As like lead book, characters yeah. that we love in books. There's been at least two Chadra fans I can think of off yeah. the top of my head. Like, I love that Chadra fan. So I think the fact that they can invent not even, not only scale of battles – yeah. Or strange things, but a and like an alien with literally no mouth and eyes could be super relatable in a book, and we're going to struggle with that on screen. Yeah, there was uh, something in our, our upcoming review this week of, of the Rise of Skywalker novelization. It's already been out there, but something I was like, this is great. I don't think it would have worked on the movie screen. <laughs> so uh, I, I understand what she's talking about. It just you can really fully, yeah, a lot of th- a lot of things. Even some Game of Thrones or some of the big properties are. We actually we've seen in Clone Wars of of we got to save the budget for the bigger battle yeah on another episode so now AP five is going to sing in space and there you go uh, you can just put it all on the table uh, she went into the Jedi and she's kind of excited excited to see them quote being awesome and she calls <laughs> the Jedi's and the prequels kind of jerky right and she's not wrong but we get to have some nuance. She talked about it being excited to be able to have some nuance in the storytelling, particularly over the big question of what does it mean to be good? Uh, Joseph, I don't think we can answer that here right now, but what does it mean to be good? And, and, and I know you love, and I do too, but you really love diving into what are the Jedi and what it means to be a Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really hoping that that is at the core of a lot of this storytelling of that. They are, noble in that they have their mm-hmm. vows and that they're trying to navigate them and i think uh, you know the the prequel story is the story of when they were getting kind of tripped up by them yeah and i think there was you know if you were alive long enough there was this cognitive dissonance between obi-wan describing them as the guardians of peace and justice and then lucas wanting to tell this story of them in their twilight yeah so i i am right along with that excitement uh, I don't think they're as big a jerks as many people think sure, they are in the yeah. prequels. I think they're trying their best and making some mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that getting really back to that, we are the heroes in golden robes mm. with, you know, each, yeah. and every one of us has an Excalibur. We are the heroes, but we still have choices. We still make mistakes. Juicy. I'm excited. And you mentioned Excalibur knights. We've already heard this era being kind of pitched as uh, hey, it's King Arthur, Camelot, Knights of the Round Table. We're playing along with that. And and this is kind of key for someone like me who's really looking forward to the High Republic. You know, when I say I, I, I do love Jedi, I do love Sith, I do love that kind of lore. But I, you know, I love, hey, rebellion, fighting the Empire. I, I kind of like that. That's kind of what drew me into Star Wars. So I have those questions of, all right, what are we really going to get? What kind of problems is, is the world at stake? And, and we got this pirate Viking pirate group coming. OK, I'm on board. This one spoke to me in some ways. She said, hey, yes, there's been some comparisons to Camelot. And and then she brought up the example of 1960s kind of JFK era, which can be viewed from afar as kind of like uh, things were good. And, you know, uh, but really, when you look beyond that, you have uh, civil rights movement back during that time and, and, and the societal growth, the need for growth, the problems because of that growth and how 
you know, and there was also, you know, Cuban Missile Crisis, never forget, there was bigger things and exciting themes to dive into. And for someone like me that's like, all right, it's the time of peace for the Jedi, what you got, it's a little, it's exciting for me, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I got it. We're going to dive underneath the, what's the dirt under the rug? Yeah. And that's really great uh, to me to take the idea of like, the Jedi are confident, they truly mean well, but they're encountering all these challenges. So, yeah. like, to me, it could be a lot of really great um, Captain America, uh, Superman, mm-hmm. uh, Supergirl kind of storytelling oh. of, like, your hero is is pretty pure, but they encounter all these things that challenge them of how to keep that level of nobility mm. while facing, you know, I don't know if that'll be the challenge of this specific book, but, like, that's a great Jedi mission, uh, yeah. trying to keep an ambassador alive. Is it an ambassador that mm-hmm. she that the main character agrees with agrees with, oh, yeah. an ambassador who wants her to do things that she shouldn't because he is panicking out of fear. you like, yeah, I can imagine lots of great, uh, tensions. And so I, like I said, it, it speaks to me, gets me even more excited. And I was already really excited to be clear. Uh, final note, uh, test of courage, the story itself. Uh, she says she wrote it from the point of view of wanting to tell a story about found family and what it means to belong in this great, magnificent galaxy and just be a kid. And again, middle grade reader and don't ever, you know, don't ever toss the, the the young adult middle gradles. There's always great things in there. Yes, some of these might not be written specifically for your age bracket, but if you're a Star Wars fan, a lot of meaty stuff can be found in these stories. This we know. Uh, Joseph, those are some pretty big themes. Yeah, yeah. But, and, and I think I take her at her word that it will be a middle reader book. So I think yeah. it will be those juicy things, but it will be from that perspective of a, a kid just taking their first steps in the larger world. I like that. And hey, you know, I was a kid once. If I was 12 uh, and I read some, you know, I read a thousand page book uh, about the history of the New York Yankees at 12. Okay, I can dive <laughs> into that. Talk about Bobby Richardson and Moose Garon, but. I would have loved a Star Wars book like this aimed towards me. That would have been really fun. So, final story of the day, uh, Damian Lindelof. Hey, you know, he and J.J. work together, right? So, uh, he wants to do a Star Wars, too, kind of. Uh, He mentioned in an interview with uh, the AV Club uh, that he wanted to do uh, maybe a Marvel or, or Star Wars project. Here's a full quote. I think that doing something in the Marvel Universe... Anywhere in the Marvel Universe would be really potentially exciting for me, especially as they start to get a little more experimental. Some of the things I've seen for WandaVision, for example, just feel like, okay, now we're getting somewhere, particularly in television space. And at some point, but certainly not in the immediate future, I feel like I would love to do something in the Star Wars universe. This is the key part. Maybe a decade from now when I would no longer be blamed for ruining it. That would be a hoot. So first of all... um, I hope in a decade we don't have that kind of discourse going around. Uh, what do you think here about Lindelof? I know he's uh, hot off of uh, uh, Watchmen on HBO, right? Mm-hmm. Which he says uh, one and done. And I, I, I love those kind of creative decisions. If we got, we told our story, we're out of here. Lindelof, Star Wars. What do you think? I would be happy for him to do something in ten years, as he yeah. says. I think that's, I think that's really wise. I, a couple of thoughts jumped to my mind. I think a lot of uh, of the creators who are lucky enough to to have some power and some weight and some movement in Hollywood and are of the generation to have grown up uh, with the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Soon it will be the prequel trilogy. Yeah. Uh, kids uh, taking over Hollywood entirely. Um, yeah. I think it's natural that a lot of them are like. That thing meant everything to me. I want to do that. And so there is a little crowding of everybody from that perspective. Yeah. So I think there's a little bit of um, 
a sense of humor. I think a sense of honesty of, I would love to play in that sandbox. I see that there are basically hundreds of me's running to that sandbox. And it's, it's, uh, the sandbox is a little unidentified right now. If we get to the point where it's like, Hey, every year on Disney plus, there are three new made for Disney plus movies. And there's so much more room to just be like, this is a Star Wars. It's not Mm. the make or break of what Star Wars is now. Just just go Mm. go check out Damon Lindelof made a Star Wars. Cool. Instead of the new generation of what Star Wars is. Yep. Is going to be defined. And I think that's what he's talking about of like, I don't need the weight of that. I mean, he was involved in the Star Trek reboot. Right. This Watchmen thing is insane. Um that I I want I, <sighs> yeah. I, I want to get your take and then I have a couple thoughts on yeah Watchmen. no go go for it. no I know you're right I you know, I definitely uh, remember uh, obviously the Star Trek stuff so yeah he's faced this before in, like, the controversy of Lost's ending yeah. I mean he is in many in many ways he is one of the more uh, battle hardened creators yes when it comes to uh, fans having strong yay or nay opinions on his work and, and to segue into your thoughts on Watchmen I I call it a win it's been in a very well received series however it's also been not well received in some people or some people are upset or eh. and once again it definitely started with some controversy and then uh, that to me from my perspective it, it i didn't hear that as much towards the end too many people enjoy the show but uh i hand that over to you on on the watchman yeah i mean there are definitely some people who have i think some legitimate criticism but the watchman thing starts from the point of the it was co-created by writer alan moore and artist dave dave gibbons dave gibbons is always in on it alan moore is like it's dumb. Don't do anything with it. Take right. my name off of it. There's a whole history there with DC. So Damon Lindelof went in. It's like, I, I am a huge fan of Watchmen. This is uh, foundational to me. Right. Um, and I'm going in already knowing that one of the co-creators doesn't believe doesn't I should do this. Yeah. So there's some Star Wars energy there. Yeah. Not like George Lucas is that level, but it's that like, mm-hmm. I want to play in the sandbox of something that meant a lot to me. My what what makes me excited about him eventually someday doing mm. Star Wars is what he did with Watchmen. Mm. He truly did make it his own. He truly did the right. thing that a lot of people are struggling with right now in an era of reboots and remakes and continuations of how do you mm. celebrate what drew you to it while also absolutely putting your stamp on it in doing something entirely new. He successful or not, he was fearless Mm. at taking, here are some of the big ideas of Watchmen and here are how I want to play with them. He changed, he didn't change Canon, but he, Mm. it it was fearless. It was not, let me go look at, um, let me worry about what every little person will think. Right. It was really, really fearless and personal and new. And mm. I think for the people who loved it, like myself, that's what we're responding to. Right. And I think that there is a hunger for that in star Wars of there's a hunger for that and a fear of that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. all, I think we all know instinctively if somebody comes in and goes, I'm not just building a shrine to a new hope. Mm. I'm making something totally my own on one mm. hand. We're all like, yeah. yeah. And then there's that great fear of like, but what if that person does not agree with me about what makes star Wars special and they build uh, you know, an anti-shrine, yeah. you know, and, and that's what's exciting and scary about it. And what he did with Watchmen was really just went yeah. for it and made something 
building off of the classic, but made something entirely new. A hundred of me's building an anti-shrine. Yeah. We don't want that. Uh, I I agree. I didn't watch Watchmen. I heard it, as I've said before. A lot of times I'm on the couch playing video games. Grace is watching a show. So I heard almost every episode. Sounded really good. (laughs) Never really turned around. Uh, So uh, we'll see. It might be a ways away. That's a look at the news. Before we get on to the main topic and take a quick break, we'll like to do our Force Center Recommends, an audio book we think you should try out on us. Joseph, what's what's on the docket this week? Shockingly, we are going to recommend the book that is coming out today, The Rise of Skywalker by Ray Carson. Coming out today, but wait, we've been hearing (laughs) headlines and articles (laughs) about it for or what 75 oh, years it yeah. feels like no the book is out mm. today and uh, we're going to be reviewing it soon so everybody should listen absolutely and to do so download your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash force center again that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audiobook it really works and it helps out the show directly all right on the other side of this break the rise of the bonus features here on force center If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And we are back here on Force Center. It's time to go into our main topic. And I have the, the, the pressure and honor this week of leading us through <laughs> Rise of the Bonus Features. Joseph does uh, so much great work getting uh, so many of our great thoughts and questions and, and theme discussions down on paper. Uh, I uh, happily took on this challenge here. And I'll tell you what, we're, we're going to talk about all the bonus features on this digital thing, uh, Joseph. I, I literally think we could do four episodes on the documentary alone. Oh, yeah. I think we could do four episodes on the documentary and uh, another four on the digital bonus John Williams thing. Uh, right? You want to yeah. talk about tears, uh, joy, uh, so much in a, in a very tiny piece of, yeah. of media. Uh, yes, th- that uh, is a moisture evaporator. It, it sucked oh, so, <laughs> so much tears out of me. Amazing. So let's dive in first. Uh, you know, uh, well, I was going to say overall thoughts, but I, first, where, how, did, how did you get it? Where did you watch it on? Uh, I got it through Amazon cause that's just the kind of the fastest for me. Prime, I've got yep. Amazon prime. It's the, the least clicking of buttons in my five <laughs> remote life yep. uh, that, that I have. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it, we had been talking about earlier that sometimes I do get grumbly about, ah, I don't got to get the digital bonus and, right. and then, cause I still want the physical disc, but sure. it totally seamless, quick, easy, and totally worth it for the digital extra of that. John Williams. Very, very much. If if you're out there still debating and, and, you know, I guess you could say this is a spoiler discussion on the featurettes in the documentary. Make uh, make that clear. Uh, Yeah. If you're debating the John Williams thing, I don't know where else it will be released. I honestly think it's worth it just for that. Yeah, I mean, if you've got the money, it was yeah, it's twenty dollars on yep. Amazon. It that that feature is worth a thousand dollars if I had it. Did uh, you have yeah. any uh, technical problems with Amazon Prime? Meaning, every about every fifteen minutes, it just. It exited out of the documentary, took you back to the homepage. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> Did you have that problem with Amazon that Prime? That was a problem. Uh, you, uh, I know. I get Amazon Prime just through my television, so oh, I'm yeah. not on the old PS4, which I am for many other things, including Disney+. Plus. This might have been a Roku thing. I, I have mine on PS4, <laughs> but uh, Grace has uh, my other PS4, uh, but also her, her Roku, which is it's great. I love Roku. Every almost like it was time, like every fourteen minutes and thirty eight seconds, boop, 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 you'd be back at the home screen. 
Oh, no, great. man. It's two, three clicks back in, and then you start about a minute behind, and you have to catch up or fast forward. I, you know, I'm not complaining. So many more things in the world to work about. Right. We're about but I'm telling you, there was a couple times we were like, oh, tears or, oh, revelation. Oh, what a... And it just was like... <laughs> so, hey, but as someone who's had Blu-rays show up scratched, it's oh, never yeah. perfect. Uh, did you re-watch the movie first, or did you go straight to the bonus features? No, and I haven't I haven't watched the movie, re-watched gotcha. the movie yet, uh, because I have, like, uh, both my wife and I are of the opinion of, like, we want to really wait until the right night where we are in the mm-hmm. right mood, where that's where it's an event, and that's yeah. what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we've mentioned, we both read the novelization this week and then watched this documentary, which is surprisingly chronological. Yes. So in a way I feel like I, did I, did I watch the movie again? I'm like, no, I haven't. I read the book and I watched the documentary and which thought is coming from which one or in my mind. So I'm, yeah. I'm excited to give it a breather. And sometimes sometime this week, it'll be like, that's what I'm doing. Lights off, phone down, full focus the home experience of rise of skywalker i you know what i recommend doing that to anyone listening uh i i think it will benefit and that's even if you're like joseph and i and absolutely love rise of skywalker no you do on the fence just kind of like it whatever your thought is watch the doc and then go watch the movie because there are this documentary as we're going to discuss has so many wonderful little insights that it made the experience of the movie the next night for us enriching oh wow yeah yeah Yeah. it was enriched by it uh so uh we'll start diving in uh, a little bit here because we might be here a while (laughs) i normally you know my style and 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 a lot of the stuff is is maybe sometimes even too much off the cuff and top of my head uh joseph you're so great with notes and everything not that you you don't go off top of your head too but i am more on notes this time around (laughs) because it was confusing reading the book watching the documentary watching the movie again Watching Clone Wars, yeah. watching Galaxy of Adventures. <laughs> what was I watching? Where were my thoughts about? Where were they going? Yeah. So uh, this was essentially a making of Episode Nine, Doc, though not directly. And I bring that up because this was billed as the Skywalker Legacy documentary, right? Yeah. This is, and so I went in because of that. It's not expecting the director and the Jedi, and 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 it is not the director and the Jedi. No. But I was expecting a little bit more of the past. They. From my opinion, I'm going to start here. They, I thought they really did a great job of mixing in the history and the legacy of the previous films and putting it down like like trace paper over this movie. And so you really saw a lot of the connections and stuff going on. Yeah, you know? yeah. I thought that was really, really beautiful because I think where the director and the Jedi did exactly what the title did. It really followed Ryan Johnson and Mark Hamill's journey and was honest about some of the, the friction yeah. uh, of that. This one was really following, I think, the journey in the spirit of the Rise of Skywalker. The journey of the the whole team yeah. is nominally led by J.J. Abrams, although we saw so many different leaders and contributors. Right. But that so much a part of their journey was, we love the Skywalker saga. It moves us. It affects us. And these are all the things we're thinking about. These are all the things we're carrying with us. Mm. So as we get into talking about Leia, why don't we just show you a little bit of Carrie Fisher on screen uh, from Empire Strikes Back from that era. We get into talking about our Palpatine choices. Let's see some of that. Let's talk to Ian McDermott. So it gave you the sense of being walking in their shoes. Yeah. Because they were trying to craft something that to their minds uh, added to this legacy. And a lot of the clips. Yeah. Sorry. No, 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 no. no, no. I cut you off. No, 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 no. (laughs) You you go ahead. (laughs) I just saying a lot of the clips they chose. Some you'd seen before over the years. 
or somewhere other parts of different interviews that I had either seen or not seen for a while. They just did such a good job where it was almost as if you were t- asking 1983 Mark Hamill, talk about uh, Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a great way to get to that feeling of Star Wars poetry that, you know, it just reinforced everything that Star Wars can be about. Uh, yeah. Fate, destiny, choice, family. To hear, yeah, Mark Hamill talking about it. it's the end of an era in yeah. 83, right? Before Return of Jedi and total bittersweet Carrie Fisher moment of I'll be playing her when I'm 85. Yeah, no, You know, yeah. that is, which is, both has one foot in the truth and one foot in the, the terrible sadness of her yeah. passing. Uh, that it, it just, the documentary was well constructed to hit some of the same incredibly successful emotional notes that Star Wars does. Oh, overall thoughts, quick hits of your favorite moments. Let's start uh, finding where to dive in here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the number one thing I want to say is I cried much more than I expect to on digital behind the scenes features <laughs> yes. that I have to, you know, fast forward through the movie to get to on Amazon. Yeah. Like, uh, it was really deeply emotionally affecting, uh, partially because of moments that made me reflect on my own joy of Star Wars, but partially yeah. because I think it successfully let me in. And got, I, I feel like there were really, really human moments with specific creators. Yeah. Um, Daisy Ridley and J.J. Abrams in particular. Yeah, um, I think uh, Adam Driver. Mm. Like, oh, I feel yeah. like I saw them and what this meant to them. John Williams, I'll say the same thing. And that seeing moments that really affected them really affected me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had mm-hmm. a lot of normal moments of like, oh, wow, how long have I been on this journey with luke skywalker and oh other people have too and like moments that i'm familiar now with being emotional with but this brought out new emotions about the end of this new era in the creators working on this new era yeah the connection to it even even simple stuff stuff that we either aware of or knew from the first promotional shots uh, i don't know the, the, there was one moment about the blockade runner and the guy talking about yeah hey, well we thought about just putting the blockade runner there because that's the first time you see leia and that's and then they cut in with some you know some more official like yeah you know this is how we introduce Leia so let's kind of finish her story under that and Grace and I just started crying yeah but just her legacy yeah. is in every frame yeah because it's 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 the last it's powering the station it's it's powering the base it's everything yeah there's one particular moment was real good for me and I forget the kid's name I should have down he was like his first day on the job as like an assistant VX VFX oh, guy yeah. in Jordan. He's like, I just want to meet Chewbacca. Chewbacca's my guy. Here. Yeah. <laughs> so when Chewbacca walks out and he's crying tears of joy, we're crying tears of joy. This doc just really did a great job. Hey, it pulled the strings and it really, uh, uh, really focused on the emotions behind Star Wars for us as fans, those in it and those making it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I would say as well, like, again, any, any of our listeners who have seen Rise of Skywalker, given it multiple uh, chances and just don't enjoy it, don't enjoy the choices. Mm. Totally understandable. Yeah. Everybody has a different opinion. The thing that I think I get pulled to the dark side of, of anger and frustration is when I see comments like these people don't know anything about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. They're bad creators. They're idiots. They just threw this together. Um, go ahead and disagree with the choices go ahead and dislike it that's absolutely you're mm-hmm. right i think this documentary part of what is so emotional to me about it is you can disagree with their choices but they thought about their choices they care so much they worked so hard there was so much passion mm-hmm. and there were so many moments of so many different people we got to literally watch them do what the movie preaches yeah and push past their fear reach out to other people in their found family yeah. for help and hope 
and discovering joyous and beautiful moments. Yeah, uh, well said. And as, as regarding the dark side, I've gone on a mutant mutant spree, not mutant, but mutine, <laughs> a mutine spree this week because I just I've I've I've, I've and if people have no people in this space that I just I don't think they're being honest with their appraisal of this movie. Again, not liking it is one thing. I I don't know. I think I felt a little bit of this in the last couple seasons of Game of Thrones, love him or hate him. Like I, I just I'll take I'll talk that stuff with you. But if you have this, if you want to paint this picture picture publicly that these creators and the people working on this are just walking around going, I don't know, put some dragons in it. I don't know. The Emperor's back. Ooh, this doc shows, and yes, I know it's cut. It's not. It's not every little yeah. moment of every conversation and every argument because I know there are some. It's. It shows to me the when Chris Terrio is like, no one's on hard, as hard as uh, as me on this because I'm a fan. Yeah, they're <laughs> that, all that, so that, clearly fans. That right? rings true for me. It know? rings true for me as well. So yeah, yeah. That, that, I think that's the cried a lot. Amazed by just okay. yeah. the, the the passion and the work through the fear to get to the joy that's right. evident from everybody involved. And you, you mentioned this doc definitely follows the movie, um, which the director of the Jedi did in a way too, and it's a smart way to do it. I'm going to jump all around, uh, so I'm not <laughs> doing the smart way. But I always say that every documentary, uh, every documentary with talking heads and interviews or whatever you got, they're all. I'm talking even Ken Burns documentaries. There's always some little breakout stars, yeah. people that emerge, and and I want to talk about our favorite. A favorite breakout stars overall, and then uh, what uh, a highlight on one there. So, uh, Joseph, did you have any uh, uh, little stars, little moments that you liked? With yeah, um, we're going to talk specifically yes. about, I think, the breakout star of this uh, documentary. Um, but I will throw out there uh, Billy Lord, <sighs> seeing how much she was there as the spirit of Leia. And we know that, of course, you know, people are asking legal permission and, and sure. moral permission. Um, but to see the speech that Abrams gave on the first day that they were going to be shooting scenes that involved Leia. Yeah. And doing that very relatable leadership thing of, I know this is hard. I know this is weird. Mm. But let's get into the spirit of Leia and, and push through and celebrate and have a sense, a uh, spirit of Carrie Fisher and have a sense of humor and sense of, right. he did this great leadership job of walking that line that he needs to do to respect the moment and inspire the troops. Yeah. And then immediately looks over at Billy Lord and she just smells perfect. And like gives him a little thumbs yes. up. Right. And just, you can, that is a moment of humans. That isn't mm -hmm. a moment. That's not a moment of Disney going here is some legal paperwork. Will you sign this to give us permission to use right. the image? Like this is humans respecting the, the human who is gone, but they're in spirit. Mm. 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 I love that little moment. You meant, I'm glad you mentioned bit of Lord. I, I may, might have brought this up later, but I had no category to put this into. Uh, I wrote down one of her quotes and she's saying towards the end of the movie, she's talking specifically about a scene with Rose, that does appear to have been cut yes. or not present, which is say, hey, you know, I get it disappointing. Maybe we'll see it some other day. But she says, it's kind of like my life. Things have kind of fallen apart a little bit, but we're still here. And it's still important that we're here, even though we miss our loved ones. And it moved me beyond. Uh, I'm even getting emotional now. Yeah. I have found her through this entire process and seen her in 2017 make the speech uh, at Celebration. And, and you know, she's not just a still a young person, still a young professional in this business. Force Awakens was her first go around. Yeah, I've seen her in other work. 
I want her, I want a starring vehicle around her. I want something I think she did not just deserves it. She's shown time and time again to be one of the, much like her mother, very, very, uh, very deep, very outspoken, very confident, but also very sweet and genuine. And, and it, that, that was, I was like, that, hot, hot damn, that quote is the movie. It's, it's the series. It's yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. There's so many great moments with her. Um, Daisy Ridley, honestly, uh, there are so many great moments with her, but also just seeing physically how hard she worked mm-hmm. um, and seeing all of the frightening things she did and how mm-hmm. far she pushed herself emotionally and physically and then get toward the end of the document where for some reason sliding yeah. down the sand dune <laughs> like five is feet terrifying. Yeah. And she has like that amazing, feet, yeah. charming, like, I destroyed the dark Lord. Isn't that enough? Now I have to do this. And that, that thing that's just so human and relatable, like that of all things yeah. that the rest of us would approach this as like, that's a slide. Yeah. Any, any of us can do that. It, the flipping on wires and landing yeah, yeah. perfectly on your knee in the middle of the death. Like, no, <laughs> but this, uh, yeah. So yeah. I think, I, I just think yeah. all throughout her, uh, her, Focus and her honesty. She just came across uh, amazing to me. Yeah, I think she's pretty given uh, giving in these uh, little interviews and the clips they show, uh, and all of it. Not not so like good and bad, but just all of it. A full picture of like I should have said I didn't think I was going to have to be there today. Next thing you know, we're on Kajimi. Oh, we're not doing pickups. We're doing the thing. Like she's yeah. really open about her. And it was really experience. cold. And I think that's yeah. the thing is like they don't uh, we don't dig down into them, but the the documentary is not trying to cover up that there are moments of conflict. Yeah, yeah. Like we see them trying to figure out the knife, which the knife is one of the more yep. unanswered questions, exactly how it fits in canonically. But like that interaction with between Daisy Ridley, it, where she was told that the wave wasn't going to hit her that time. Yeah. And it did. And like her kind of being honest about like, <laughs> I Dominic. wanted to get really <laughs> angry at the person who hit me with the wave. But, I, you know, yeah. So that that was great. Yeah, great choice. Um uh, Any more for you yeah. of, of, of uh, all stars? I have a few. Uh, she actually, I, I'll say she was a little bit of this one, but in the feature, I will discuss a little bit, bit more. Victoria Mahoney is the second unit director was spectacular. Absolutely. More so in the feature, but she pops up here. Uh, second unit director is very important. It's something that's been around. And I think it's easy. Even people like us who maybe been on sets or worked on something, to just kind of overlook it sometimes. Yeah. But hey, you know, I, I remember Andy Circus was doing second unit stuff for the Hobbit stuff. And it's like, oh, that's neat. But no, to see her like, she did a lot of the big moments yeah. that JJ and his team were off shooting other things close up. She's handling some of the big action She's stuff. She's working too. with the Okie Pokey. Yes. The creatures with Love the free guys. Yeah, that. all that. All yeah. that. Um Go, go ahead. Oh, uh, my next one on this list of stars, <laughs> uh, Shirley Henderson is Babu Frick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like big moments. Just. Uh, yeah, she, she's amazing mm-hmm. all by herself. Obviously there's the, she's moaning Myrtle. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is in one of the most controversial episodes of Dr. Who, an oh, episode really? called love and monsters, mm-hmm. uh, playing a very funny Shirley Henderson character. I won't want to spoil it. Something incredibly weird and adult happens to her character. All right. Uh, that is just, it's, Love it's, a, it's a great, a great doctor who conversation, uh, that episode. <laughs> She's amazing. One of my favorite uh, things in this, uh, was also seeing, I feel a more human side of JJ Abrams because he is yes. a good leader on like some, uh, writers, directors, he's extremely good at speaking to the public at yep. choosing his words. And he's almost g- like a good politician. 
mm-hmm. picking the right thing and saying the right thing. He's a good yep. speaker. So you can sometimes have a hard time getting past that to, but who, who are you? Like Ryan Johnson, just, it's kind of just always, here I am. I, it's on my sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even though he is also a good speaker, um, and a good relator to his audience, but in particular with Shirley Henderson, the reason I went off on this tangent is that, uh, that scene where, uh, Babu Frick just keeps yelling, go, go, go! and the lip curls <laughs> and it just destroys JJ Abrams. And I don't think I've ever seen any, yeah. I haven't watched every behind the scene thing ever with JJ Abrams. But it just destroys him in, in laughter. Yeah. And he's like, what is like, that was 20 seconds long. He said, he says the moment, and I love this kind of stuff when you're on set, when you're like, you do something silly, stupid, and, and maybe you know it's not going to make a final cut or it shouldn't be there. And you just look around and go, oh, my God, what if we did that? And yes. he has that word. He's like, could you imagine <laughs> the scene ending? And he's just dying laughing. Meanwhile, Shirley Anderson's over there with the glasses over her nose, yeah. hair just up, just doing her thing. And also learning on the fly, how to uh, move the mouth at the same time, which I thought was so key to making Babu Frick that much better. Yeah, and I really liked that that moment, too. That was one of those great moments of sort of um, partnership in spirit of the yeah. theme of the film, of, you know, uh, all of us together. Of yeah, They say that we don't normally have the actor operate the mouth, right? but we did for Shirley Henderson for some reason. Yep. And is it just like, we just decided to be brave that day, to be fearless and go, well, this would be better. Why don't we trust that she can learn it? Yeah. And it obviously pays off. Clearly. You know, it, because mean, Bobby Frick is one of the breakout stars of the film. And it is, uh, it, it, obviously, the puppet is an amazing design. All the animatronics going into its yeah. tiny head, all that was amazing. But the clear humanity yeah. that is communicated by Shirley Henderson and being able to control the actual mouth. Works for me. Yeah. And that lip curl. It's the best. (laughs) And she's controlling it as she does it. Uh, Some other uh, quick hits for me. Uh, 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 Anthony Daniels. I got to tell you, Anthony Daniels, and I I think we've always kind of lovingly teased him here on Force Center. He is kind of a walking one-man show. Uh, All through this, old clips and new, just Grace and I were just loving him. At at one point, the the shots of him leaning in a leather-bound chair and like a taupe jumpsuit <laughs> black glorious hair in the 70s grace is just like you be your bad self tony daniels yeah. like it was he just was because also i think rise of skywalker is the best 3po stuff well yeah and he's so, been re- and he's really clear about that too it's like i think this is the best since uh, yeah. a new hope and we've read and seen him say other things of being a little yeah snarky about it's his snarky. yeah his, his level of role to, but to see him see him celebrate it yeah yeah he had a lot of great things uh i loved him uh Jor- the jordanian cast and crew including the military that put on the akiaki oh, good God, the yes. ancestors that's one of my favorite sequences in the movie i love so much about it to see what put in what was put into it and and, and i hope this doesn't go too far down the dark side Someone on the day of the the, the press screening, uh, when I was already in a foul, a great mood leaving, but then kind of quickly got into the lobby and got into a little bit of a foul mood, took the dark side. I apologize for that. Um, one of my friends was just like, ah, oh, they, they clearly saw Black Panther and ripped that off on one of their own. Now, look, doesn't mean they don't weren't influenced at some point along the way. But I'm like, this shows this shows how much thought, effort, and work went into just that sequence alone and had been going for a while. Yes, and a clarity of vision yeah. from everyone involved, from J.J. Abrams down to each individual dancer, it seemed like. Of, yeah. The point of this is to show joy. The point of this is to show this is what we're actually fighting for. 
as you and I have discussed. The like kids. that's the point of the scene. It's the kids. It's the kids. This is, this is the galaxy that gets ripped apart by the dark side. And yeah. Ray gets to see that. And we get to see that through her eyes and th- to see that everybody on the team was clear of. This is what we're doing. Yeah. We're showing something bright and colorful and uh, joyful. Yeah. And again, not that I, Black Panther is one of my favorite Marvel movies and everything, but just it just it shows an ignorance sometimes of the process of filmmaking, which goes on for years in, in concept sometimes. Yes. I would also say if you wanted to have a large dance, mm. there are many movies you could steal that from. Many movies, maybe even, uh, you know, just uh, Return the Jedi too at the end, right? Some drums. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I love and the Jordanian cast and crew because they had to hire local because it's just the logistics. I mean, they're building a city there. The military, the soldiers. Huge, huge, right? Yeah. And seeing them learn the dance like these soldiers that just, was really powerful uh, paul casey uh who is uh he's actually in the admiratus costume we always talk about stephen stanton's great voice but paul casey's doing him in there to have him up there leading the dance like huh <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> erratus he's cre- the yeah. Dance. Uh, yeah he's a creature of movement there so yeah um i like that a lot a final one for me then i want to hear some you that uh, won't go into as much claire fleming art director laura miller assistant art director we'll talk a little bit more but when they go into how uh how they created the throne room and the Amazing. collapse throne room. I like wanted to stand and applaud because it was so well thought of, uh, thought of, and thought out. Yeah, yeah, no, that the huge highlight for me uh, as well. I, I think a, a couple of my other two other little highlights. Uh, I would say a standout star for me uh, was uh, John Williams in general, but in specific, John Williams' wife. Oh uh, yeah. So when we sat down to watch it, I was like, I'm just going to remember. I'm not, I don't want to pause every five minutes to take notes. I'm just going to try to right, kind of right. remember. Uh, we got to this one specific quote from John Williams and uh, Sarah and I talk about uh, rewind moments and we agree when something's funny enough to us that it's a rewind moment oh, nice. that we have to pause, laugh, go back and look at it again. <laughs> and it's uh, in that whole section about John Williams uh, being in the movie yeah. It's brought up to him that maybe he should be. He's like, I don't know. That doesn't seem, I don't know. And I went home and told my wife and she was like, go <laughs> do it. What's wrong with you? Uh, that was, <laughs> it was a, so it's more important than scoring the movie. <laughs> yeah. It's almost more important than scoring the movie. <laughs> yeah. That was so again, human and yeah. funny and honest. And John Williams is a living legend, but there's so many moments in this that brought him into like, yeah, but he's, he's got, he's a guy with the heartbeat who has ideas and the ideas yeah. are real good. Like real good, you know, that's the, yeah. Anyway, that was amazing. Um, because I love the character. I love the actor. Uh, we didn't get to spend a ton of time, but Donald Gleason in the classic yes. role of guy who can't quite get his lines. Yeah. <laughs> all of the bleep swearing and him, that, that sequence of him trying the emphatic yes to I am the spy yeah, and trying it a bunch of different ways. <laughs> when you see the, the actor thing of like, yes, nope, nope, hold on. Give me a second. Yes. Do it again. Yes. <laughs> yes. He gets really into it. So I, that was just a great, like fun detail. One of the things I love when he was messing up the lines and he, and he doesn't know Allegiant General Pride is the name. He's like, yeah. what's his name? <laughs> and I know there's so many people remember the first time I remember when, when people were so upset that he didn't know his character's full name was general armitage hux and they were so upset how yeah. could he not know i think chances are the name wasn't created yet on set it was just hux um and uh, but too also just like hey, hey when you're an actor that kind of stuff that's there's more important things to worry about you're you're going for the spirit yeah. of it not all the details yeah, yeah. so i love it he's like allegiant pride I said, this is what happens <laughs> it's just a great great sequence yeah absolutely great mm, okay good stuff let's focus on 
I think the big winner of this doc, at least yeah. for us here, it seems yeah. you and I didn't even really, I don't think I had to ask you. I just felt we were going to be, yeah. uh, this. although it's funny, I did, yeah, I, I'd sent over the notes and I, I, I oddly enough misspelled her name because I immediately followed her on Twitter. Okay. She has, folks, she is only 4,000 followers. Go make her life better oh, because, yeah. well, maybe more followers isn't better, but uh, <laughs> she deserves the attention. Stunt coordinator Eunice Hutheart, which is the yes. greatest <laughs> British name ever. <laughs> or I don't, I, I don't know if she's where she, in the UK she's from or at all. Uh, um, Eunice Hutheart, uh, wow, big win for her. This was amazing. What do you feel she brought to the movie? What do you love about her character? What you, there's so much there. She clearly just as a stunt coordinator brought the intensity and the urgency and the passion and uh a lot of the moves in for in not force awakens in rise of skywalker are more powerful to me because they have just just big flippy energy they they are a little bit more like force users as superheroes we've talked about them a lot we talked about it last week i love the yeah. way that ray leads with her lightsaber when she does the big flip over the wave yeah you know and the the leap over the 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 chasm a couple of chasm leaps a lot of chasms and seeing that so much of that energy and commitment to it's got to be big your big. soul has got to be in it every time it that's all great and then in terms of the actual uh documentary it was well-constructed storytelling because we, yes. we meet her. You can get the energy of like, this is an intense person. This yeah. is a person that is going to uh, sort of be hard on you, yeah. but you will be better for it. And then they basically introduce that and, and have those honest interviews with, yeah. uh, with Daisy Ridley. Like, yeah, it was, she was very intense and, and seeing her because she, she's the one who's like trying to tell JJ Abrams that there should be a, uh, a tree branch to get lift off of. Yeah. And then she's like, I got one in. I love that moment. <laughs> I love the moment. And by the way, she, I looked at, I, I should have done this before. She was born in Liverpool. So I, I didn't want to assume uh, directly where she was from. Yes. But yes Liverpool. But um, a, yes, an intense and charming accent. Yeah. I love that scene. Cause it goes back to what you're saying up top is like, this is the filmmaking process. And I, I sometimes see some criticisms of, of and we're talking about oh, another big moment. One of my favorite moments was added after the first rounds of, of scripting. I, I, I assume during the process, but for her to have this like collaborative kind of, and, and JJ to trust her as a stunt coordinator and just go, yeah, that makes sense to me. I yeah. buy that. Yeah. I'd like it better Let's if you had a little bit more lift. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I just got the sense of, and, and I've had this experience myself in a in a different way, uh, particularly working in a lot of theater and working mm. with uh, actors. And for me, there's always a difference between an actor going like, oh, yeah, it's one of those kind of beats. Yeah, I've done one of those kind of beats. I know how to do it. Don't worry about it. Right. Versus somebody who's like, what is unique about this beat? How can I make it like it's never been before or make it perfect for this moment. doesn't matter if I've done this kind of beat before. What does it mean in this story? And I just got this overwhelming instinct that that's, that you can see that on screen that she's like, it's not another jump. It's not another flip. It's not another fall from getting shot. Each individual thing has character and meaning. Like watching her work with the first order stormtrooper who gets the Lando arrow through the eye. uh, Yeah. Nigel Nigel Goodrich. Yeah. And like showing him how to do it. And you're like, it's really got to be like this. So just that, commitment and desire to make each stunt fresh and real and honest and of the story uh yeah there's a couple of moments that i love with her she's, she's a great quote where she's just like i love my life and i love my job and you know 
we all would love to get to that point. And, and I'm sure she said struggles. She's been in and out of the career. Oh, she's done yeah. a lot of work, a lot of stunt coordinating. But to have Kathy Kennedy, uh, Michelle Rejuan, everyone kind of be like, oh, Eunice, you know, <laughs> she's re- really into things and everything. And for her to be unapologetically herself, and that's where it ends up, good and bad. But that's where it ends up, her just being like, I love my life. Yeah, and watching the, the uh, stunt actors do the actual flips out of the speeders yeah. into the sinking fields of black beans yeah. and like damn yeah yeah uh and then uh, a couple uh, uh, uh she being the one to kind of and daisy ridley is a very prepared actor obviously but to be the one of just like when you're sliding down at the end tatooine like it's just this poetry to where how we first met her and everything have the stunt coordinator uh, be collaborating collaborating with daisy on, on on acting choices impressive to me and then have adam driver say all her work comes from character and and to me like uh, yeah that that makes you know, it's why it's not what you would you the, the flippity flip of it all. Yeah, just, you know, <laughs> it is so much more than that. And have and and when it transitions into, I won't talk more about Adam Driver, but just him not. It's not just that. Oh, I do my own stunts because I'm an actor who does that. All it's just no. I am protective of this character's physicality, and for them to sync up, even disagree, but to sync up on what to do because it comes from character. Yeah, that makes it a lot more deep. Yeah, and that, that little interview with her was like, yeah, 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 that's what they all say. Yeah. I I will let you do your stunts up to where you can. Oh, you you weren't kidding. Yeah. You can, and you will, and you train, and you care. So, okay, you really mean it. So You got it. Yet another point where you you get to see, act, not conflict, but discussion and yeah. give and take and compromise and learning and understanding between this massive team of creators. Absolutely. So Eunice Hutthart, salute. You are the breakout star of this documentary. <laughs> Let's go into the production side of it first. I think you and I uh, might end up spending more time on some of the character revelations and themes knowing <laughs> us. Uh, but there were some uh, great things as all these docs. Uh, I love seeing side, uh, side of this. I love watching, actually, I love watching my girlfriend Grace get moved by this. She's a professional actor, a working actor, uh, and, and she literally is inspired and moved by just seeing the process of filmmaking and storytelling. Yeah. And I love watching it through her eyes and seeing a lot of stuff. Um, uh, what kind of big revelations did you have from the production side of this documentary? Well, you already mentioned it, but uh, I was really hit by the throne room details. Yeah, yeah. The fact that uh, the these two uh, creators had yeah. gone through and found the original blueprints. So again, you get that sort of um, that Star Wars poetry of real life to uh, right. the fantasy of Star Wars and mapped out how everything would fall. Mm-hmm. And that it, I, I did not realize that there was that level of detail and precision. And then the kind of fun button of like, and then there was another room you didn't see. Yep. Because it's, it's Star Wars. And I know like some people might see that and go like, see, they did like, and to me, that's the spirit of Star Wars. It's it, ships make noises in space. Uh, he has a, he had a room on the side there that we didn't see because he does. And for my money, George Lucas would have made that choice in a heartbeat. The right, emperor, the emperor's going around collecting Sith relics. You don't yeah. think he has a storage space right next to him with his Funko Pops and Sith Wayfinders? Right. He's greedy. He doesn't have a storage space <laughs> on another. Well, I guess he actually does. He does have storage spaces yeah. on P- Pilio and other not, but the most important ones. Yeah, right next yeah. to him, hoarding, hoarding them right there. But just that the level of detail and the mm. the reverence and and exploration at the same time. Yeah, I thought uh, was great. I really liked seeing the discussion about trying to figure out the knife oh yeah we didn't quite get clearly they had like a scroll prop and they had like one line like it's it's too delicate it's not believable that it would survive Mm -hmm. right so there's clearly something there and 
I think I was really excited to see them working something out kind of in the moment because yeah. I think that's the truth of creative process. Again, critics will go see its evidence and like, no, no, things change, things yep. shift. That That is the creative process. Uh, for me, I think a ton of the logic tracks perfectly in Rise mm. of Skywalker. The knife is weird. It's, it's yeah. hard to figure out. Did Ochi already know how to get back to the Emperor? Did the Emperor give him that knife so he could find the wayfinders wayfinder so he could take like right it's a yeah, little things yeah yeah uh, but it's but again it's so star wars it's aesthetically so cool it's yeah. pulling in that indiana jones uh aesthetic oh yeah but that was another moment of just human honesty from jj abrams where i could sense that I've, I've been in writer's room where like everybody knows like we've we have located the problem no, I was going to quite find the answer today. And it's like, ah, almost, almost. almost. And I just, I really like seeing that, that moment. Uh, I, I liked it too. I like, cause I liked that. I liked that scroll, but I, but it wouldn't have worked for me. The, yeah. The knife, the dagger. And I told, I totally get there's some things that just yeah, are, and that's the answer. They are, there's a dagger. They are. But, I like the head cannon that it was, it's, yeah. it was a, some Sith soothsayer, yeah. Sith soothsayer <laughs> who saw it a millennia ago. Yeah. But I like, and, I, yeah, I like those moments there. We talked a lot about it, but uh, I did want to focus on the full scope of the Aki Aki Festival. We'll talk about what it meant, but just, uh, again, blown away by the sheer scale of the production. And that tracks because the doc starts so just wonderfully with that old clip of those fans at the gate at the Blue oh Harvest shoot. God, yes. Great stuff. And you look at you look at the sail barge out there and the city built out there in the desert. And was it Yuma, Arizona, I believe, or whatever. But um, to, ha- to tie it to that, it was, I love that. It was, yeah. I don't know. I just love that. I love that moment with those fans, too. Yeah. I think watching the, I've always loved the Aki Aki scene, and I've always mm-hmm. connected to it emotionally for all the reasons that that, that they expressed and that, that we talked about. But literally physically seeing the dancers mm-hmm. train yeah. to learn the dance, and that there aren't necessarily dancers. There, Some of them might have some dance experience, but they're people yeah and just the huge community of that and just it just puts you in the that place of of how much work of like well for weeks we trained on just the dance before we even put you in the alien heads yeah and then the costumes oh and then we had to make water come here yeah and the army had to build us roads so you could dance with alien heads it's the it's the absolute community mm-hmm. and beauty and absurdity of star wars it's so large and powerful yeah uh it, those aren't dancers sir they're just people um <laughs> but also it keeps a little bit uh going back to an old interview with george lucas and you could argue maybe sometimes in the prequels he, he, he seemed to forget that at times i don't think all the way but there was that interview around the time of jedi of just hey you know one of the big mistakes is you got this big giant set and you've got all the stuff into it and and that takes place of your story and i'm paraphrasing but i love that all that goes to this very important key sequence but we don't linger on it for 20 minutes it's aki aki there fun jokes great stuff powerful meaning move on the movie moves as, as so fast as we know and i like that i think that 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 means to me that they were trusting what this was adding to the story versus all right let's spend an hour here because we're out here in the desert right there's so much that's that's practical uh, and gives it authenticity yeah. and 
you know, that many real dancers is pretty damn authentic. It is. There's uh, speaking of authentic, there was a significant amount of practical use that was either completely in place of VXS, VFX, or the basis of later VFX use. Now, uh, practical versus CGI has been a you know a thing in Star Wars, particularly for a while there, and we know there was a lot more practical in the Phantom Menace, and people want to give credit for, and a lot more computers and uh, Force Awakens than they advertised, but. I think even for me, and some of this was stuff we kind of were already aware of or had seen clips of, I was blown away by the amount, um, just how far they went to to ensure most of what the actors were experiencing was real in some way. Yeah. Really impressive to me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think the the big one that was told in such a funny way is the the quality of the sunlight in Jordan. Yeah. And watching them put up those huge uh, green screen balloon walls. Yes. And Oscar Isaac relating the story of like, so why... Why are we doing green screen in the desert? <laughs> and JJ Abrams going, I know, I know. It's the quality yeah. of the light, but and, but yeah. it and it it makes a difference. Uh eight hundred percent. So this, this is going to sound like me taking an odd swipe at the Mandalorian. I am not, without getting details for anyone who hasn't watched it in the UK. Uh, some of my resistance to some of the scenes is I I just look at it and go, yeah, great technology shot on a wonderful state of the art. A soundstage thing called the volume and it looks like it to me but i still love it okay it was clear uh this this i am all for when you can afford it and when you can yep we're gonna you're not really on speeders but boyega you're gonna be out there experiencing it and and it looks the lighting looked great in that chase scene and i picked it up in the theater i picked it up at home and i, I go yep i can tell this this works for me yeah it's a personal taste thing it's not a swipe yeah um because again story will be more important but i just like that yeah uh running through a list of some of these things that here uh uh the vexus was yes real. yes and then they, they vfx over they cgi over but they were like yeah no no we need to give our actors the actual scare of a big snake and it was not a rudimentary, uh, here is a, a big blue massive sock thing with some googly eyes on yeah. it, uh, Daisy Ridley, so you can look at the eyes. Like, that was, uh, was one of the gasp moments from my wife and I yeah. as well of like, but why did you replace it with VFX? Because that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's it, right? Like, enhance? Yes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that level of, uh, commitment and technology mm. and it again it wasn't there just to be placeholder in terms of here's the eyeline mm. here's the physical oh here's your weight on something all that the fact that they had built it to communicate like yeah. the, the range of movement that the vexus puppet had mm. so daisy ridley mm-hmm. could really have it roar in her face and you know watching them put the you know the slathering fluid on yeah uh, yeah. and then cutting to a shot of the Gamorrean. Yeah. Like, remember, <laughs> yeah, with Phil Tippett, dripping, <laughs> dripping mouths and teeth have yeah. long been a part of Star Wars poetry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, I, that was a wow uh, moment for me. Yeah. Uh, the sinking sand being real with the black beans that they're pulling them through. And the actors talking about how, Hey, we all toughed yeah. it out, but it was truly terrifying. We really felt like we were suffocating. I, yeah, that might have been a tough one for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, cast me to Star Wars movie, I'll go through beans all you want. But, <laughs> but I would have had like, okay, okay, here we go. Here we go. That's a thing. That's a thing for me. Yeah. But I mean, and, and that was another one of the moments where because all of this is practical, mm-hmm. Oscar Isaac had that great thing about like, yeah, so we would finish shooting in front of a green screen, but we were really in a desert. So I would spend a bunch of time shaking all of the sand, sand. out of my hair and Daisy Ridley going, I didn't say it then, but it, I, 
was suffocating. It was terrifying. <laughs> I never want to do that again. But I was really committed to this, you know? Yeah, I, I love that choice. Some other ones, and I'll, I'll hear from you here uh, where we can dive in. Uh, uh, we know a lot about Babu Frick. We know even more. Uh, we knew it was real. At one point, the Mads was real. I remember getting that around the time the movie was released. But to see it in action, to see the choice to do that and how well it looked, you know, hell, just having been at Galaxy's Edge and, 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 um, someone in my party uh, was like they thought Honda Wanaka was an actor uh, <laughs> to see where we are with technology and to see them use Maz. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, the final one of my list uh, we were discussing is uh, the uh, water on the Death Star lightsaber fight. Oh, Not yeah. Shock. You know, you know, you could CGI water all you want, but the actors were wet. But to see the just the scale of what they did, I want to play in that in that test shot. Yeah. That you could tell the person was so happy because J.J. Abrams was like, that's all right. That's amazing. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Like, yeah, you described there could be a lot of water. Cool. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, God. Those waves. Those absolutely crushing waves. It Beautiful. Made me love that sequence even more. Yeah. Uh, the the only other thing for me is like I didn't quite uh, realize that I knew that Kajimi was mostly a set. I didn't realize it was actually in a cold place. Yeah, I didn't yeah. realize that it was built uh, for authentic cold. And as somebody who is from uh, Minnesota, uh, you can only fake being cold so well. <laughs> so the fact that they were authentically freezing there too. Yeah. Any other uh, any other practical where you thought it was VX VFX um, moments? Only the other other moments that are exciting to me are are already listed in okay. your notes. Um, yeah. Uh, so the, some other interesting production revelations. Uh, did you take anything, uh, any other interests? What, what sparked your imagination or, or obsession for this uh, making of the movie here? Oh, I, I think the, the, your, your bullet points here. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. The, the, the Jimmy said, in, uh, being inspired by the hidden mm-hmm. fortress was really cool. I hadn't realized that direct connection. I didn't either. Uh, and, and that's one of those touches of, like yeah, they 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 thought a lot of stuff out. Yeah, this is not like yeah. In the in the desire to show uh, the narratively the specific desire to show the the first order domination, mm. so we could really see that the great contrast to the Aki Aki. Like here here is the light side, yeah, uh, of the galaxy. Here is the dark side. Mm. Um, but mm. the the John Williams set, yeah, is was insane to me because that's nothing that is meant to necessarily show up on. Uh, uh, it, no one is meant to get that from watching the movie. Like now we can go pause. Yeah. The right. That there were all of the little things around him were uh, in ode to his 51 Oscar nominations. Yeah. And I, and I'm watching the scene just last night again. Like, yeah, yeah I mean, you don't see it. You I don't mean, see you, it at now, all, right? now I can look back and go, Oh yeah, there's the hook kind of in the scenes done and gone. It's one shot of John, but that just put that care into the sequence. Yeah. Scene. I love that idea. Yeah. To say, look, well, we have to make a bunch of just bits hanging around him to uh, fill out what this looks like because uh, we wanted to be a part of the shop mm. uh, or look connected to Babu's shop. Uh, but we we're going to take the time to honor this man this way and in a way that almost seemed to overwhelm him. And that's the yeah. same thing where he. Or J.J. Abrams described him as, I believe, supernaturally gifted. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, insane. Insane. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I was, uh, the the scale of the steadfast. I I knew, oh, I think I intellectually yeah. knew that it was probably all set. Right. But that was also like le- a, a, from an adult perspective, like, yes, uh, the horses are actually running down that and the mm. actors get to experience. Mm. Yeah. The, those are the Sith Troopers. 
way, way down there running at us and we're running at them. Mm-hmm. But the absolute just childhood joy of that too, of like, you built oh. an entire Star Destroyer that I could, could oh. I, could I go there and pretend to have a laser battle on it? Oh, look, uh, my, my one, I bring it up every now and then, that one shot of Mace on Geonosis walking on sand that's clearly not there. It always kind of rubs me uh, yeah. the wrong way, uh, not unlike sand. Um, <laughs> Compared to this, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I know what George was trying to do. I know what he was trying to break new ground with how he shot those. So it's not a shot at that. It's just to see it. Uh, yeah. The playground aspect of Star Wars is always big. And yeah. Just, and that was insanely big. Yeah, you know, if you just, if you could rent it out to parties. Yeah. You don't need to tear it down. <laughs> just rent it out. <laughs> uh, a big one I want to discuss here and we can get to some other ones. Uh, um uh, one of my favorite scenes of the movie I've talked about it before is uh, Poe Dameron at the at the foot of uh, recently deceased Leia. Him doubting his place as a leader and their chances. And Lando shows up to say, uh, "We had each other. We were friends. We had friends." And it's a great moment. It's a little scene, but big punch for me. That's something Oscar Isaac, uh, you know, was like, "Hey, could you give me a moment with Leia? I got something." And it turned into that scene. I just love. We talked about the creative process and what goes into these productions. I love those kind of revelations. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is, you know, when you're crafting this kind of movie, you you have so many different uh, characters to take care of and themes and ideas and, and move the action plot forward. I think that's great to be able to have an actor who's like, I'm focusing on my journey and this is what I think I need for my journey. Yeah. You know, and like for people who, again, can be like critical of this movie. I just was hearing recently about uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, regardless of whatever you think of that, mm. it, there was a, there's very similar behind the scenes uh, with DiCaprio saying, I think I really need to screw up my lines. Yeah. So it means more when I get them right. And right. You, you look at a movie like that and, and think, this happens w- with writers and actors where actors are really, really being the custodian of their journey. Yeah. And they know that in order for me to get to this height, I need, I need somewhere to go a little bit lower. Mm. And I think that's kind of a common thing for actors to ask for. Like, can I have my low moment? So, yeah. so it sets me up to get to that place of redemption. They're so in tune to their characters. And, and it doesn't mean every d- idea they have for them works or should you. be used. I mean, trust, <laughs> trust me. Trust me. Hear the list of Hamill ideas for, for Star Wars stuff. But at the same time, even he knows. Uh, if you're tuned in, some of it really works. And this was an example of, of it really working, of Oscar knowing Knowing the the character of Poe Dameron, and it really worked and turned into a memorable scene. Any other production revelations that you experienced, Joseph? Um, I think this is in one of the later features, but I just really wanted to share it because I love this sentence. Uh, it's it's when they're talking about really working together and and, and coming up that uh, the uh, the Orbox uh, aren't going to be able to be wearing masks. Mm. And there is that sentence where somebody says. We could have naked horses and Roger can help us out later. <laughs> it's just a beautiful sentence of working together. Love that. The little moments in the production behind the scenes side. John Williams giving Daisy Ridley the, the music page for the race theme. Huge, 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 uh, powerful tears. And, yeah. and Kathleen Kennedy going like, don't get any fingerprints on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Take yeah. care of that. Memorabilia. And a little moment, they, they were talking to an old interview, an old clip, and I've seen a lot of them, but I don't think I've seen this one. Personally, I haven't seen it. Uh, Stuart Freeborn talking about Yoda, and this is during the Babu Frick segment. Yes. But when he's talking about Yoda, and he and he says, just in that old Stuart Freeborn kind of, you know, calm, humble way, he could even steal the picture. Grace yells out, he doesn't even know. If only you knew. 
And like, well, he eventually knows. But like in that moment, in that moment she was just so excited for Stuart Freeborn in that moment to be like, you don't, oh, you nailed it and you don't even know. Yeah, that was a, a, a rewind moment uh, by request of, of <sighs> Sarah great. as well. Because it is, we're, it's, we were talking about at the beginning of this, of that feeling of fate and destiny. Yes. And like all of these things are just little frozen moments in time and everybody does their best and they don't know if it's going to succeed or not. So to see a moment... With that clearly Yoda face of Stuart Freeborn going, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, maybe people will like Yoda. Maybe they'll even like him a lot. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so powerful. Uh, so uh, that's our look at the, this week's show. No, but uh, we have a lot of way to go. Um, uh, the production side, uh, I watched these docs to see that, to, to get these revelations of what went into making the movie. But I was I was blown away. But I maybe shouldn't have because the director and the Jedi kind of went into this in its own way. But we got a lot, Joseph, about the character and the story and the yes. themes and the thoughts that went into it. So just an overall, uh, and this is, uh, I have a lot of uh, stuff here, so we might jump around, follow me around, folks. But uh, your overall take on what we learned, Joseph. <laughs> What do you think about all the learned? All the learned. I think the thing with the the character and the story and the themes. I think what struck me the most, one of the reasons I liked the movie, is I can feel that there was just a great clarity of depth on Mm. what the characters felt what the meaning of the movie was. Mm. And sure, we can have some fun nitpicking, like, does the knife track or, well, wait a minute, it looks like uh, that that uh, that Snap's getting in an A-wing. He doesn't physically get an A-wing, but it looks but, like he's ready to get an A-wing, but then he's in an X-wing. And how did uh, the TIE fighter get there? You can get into those, those details. But the big picture of what truly matters what is ray wrestling with mm. what is poe wrestling with what does it feel like for finn to connect to Jana? why are we at the akiaki festival all of those things why why is exegol built the way it's built yeah all of those things those things that truly matter in in hit me emotionally there's such clarity from abrams that in and filters through everybody down to the actors owning like we were joking about like yeah donald gleason doesn't remember that his name is allegiant general pride that's a detail Mm -hmm. what matters is that the characters know the actors know the heart of their character Mm -hmm. and i i just that was my big picture takeaway of how much people are on the same page of what story are we trying to tell and why does it matter yeah i i i keep I keep trying to boil it down to a bumper sticker, but but I, I failed. But but we've talked about it before. But Star Wars is is does not want you to get it caught up into the what the what is that why, what what is that it's it's just the why we're there and 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 that's what's important more than the the how and the why and how did the Tie Fighter get there? I totally have those questions too sometimes. Yep. But yes. I have them for every Star Wars movie because Star Wars isn't necessarily about that, uh, and I think that's forgotten. So yeah, you could get caught up on. Well, Ray had the dagger in her hand, and how did Kylo not recognize it? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, but maybe he was just so focused on her face, he didn't pay attention to the dagger. Maybe it was too obvious. You know, who cares? The point is what was going on in the scene. And to see that everyone involved had that clarity, like you said, uh, it really did strike me hard. Strike me deep. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was really, really powerful. All right, Joseph, how about this second little little tiny question here? Uh, (laughs) What did we learn about the characters of Ray and Kylo Kylo Ben? (laughs) I'm going to be honest. This is one of the sections where my mind is like, did I read that in Rise of Skywalker? 
did did you and I have a conversation that about that? True. Did that come like? Uh, but I think watching Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver struggle mm-hmm. toward a full, full, full empathy with and understanding of their characters yeah. and ownership of the characters. I think I think that's. I, I don't know that I feel like. I feel like anything we learned was a confirmation of something that I already felt in the movie. Yep. And I think it was it was good and rewarding to see that all of the creators were trying to craft the thing that I felt. I don't know how to say this without Yeah, I don't know how to say this, but I think we're in a safe space with Force Center fans. If you're a newer fan, uh uh we we we're like Stuart Freeboard. We kind of try to approach this kind of humbly, all right? I'll just say it. but Grace asked me at the end of she was, what was your favorite part of the documentary? And I go, I'll tell you what, it was seeing piece after piece that we had kind of already discussed and figured out on Force Center because I think this movie is so simple in a glorious way. Yeah. It's so right there. And I don't understand. I'm not trying to be, I just don't understand why a lot of people seem to have willfully missed some of it. There's some big decisions. There's some things that I'm like, yeah, I don't know. And maybe, maybe I, maybe I would have liked the emperor to come back in a different way. Maybe this yeah. or that. And you know, we, you and I've talked uh, a lot about some of the things we wish was in the movie that are the big stuff. It all connects, and there's almost not a wasted beat or moment. And to see the creators and actors behind it going, yeah, we didn't waste a beat or moment. Yeah, yeah, because we couldn't. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I felt that, and that's why I think this movie had is a success. Yeah, and that was the. Favorite part of the doc, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a haha, we were right. And I don't want people to think that. I'm trying to be honest with that to a fault, maybe. But, but yeah, like it's not rocket science. It's Star Wars. <laughs> and it's there if you want to look for it and search for it and find it. I think that's the thing is like if you want to try to engage with the intent and to hear Chris Terrio, mm-hmm. you know, uh, say, it, this is really about everybody having to deal with their past and saying you're not defined by your past. And that's mm. why Finn is encountering Zori. That's why or Finn is encountering Janna. That's why Poe is encountering Zori. That's why Ray mm. is wrestling with who her parents were. It's the same thing that Kyla's been wrestling with this mm. whole time. And and to hear him just like say that. And for me, when when people have said it's just sloppy and why did this happen? It's like it's to me, it's always been like that's one of the strong, strongest things about it is they're all kind of going through. Mm the same journey we talked about that a lot when we did our uh discussion of finn and poe's arcs yeah uh, so that was one of the n- nice moments to just hear and feel that yeah uh, chris Terrio brought up that arthur miller quote of every drama story the birds coming home to roost and i really liked that uh it was over the kajimi scene specifically for Poe. yeah and there was just something about that in this final chapter that rang true yeah yeah uh um, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Uh, you, you, no, you have a bunch uh, of great uh, details written down. Yeah, some highlights for the uh, Ray journey for me. Uh, there was something, uh, you know, it, it makes sense. Nothing big revelation, but just seeing the actual, seeing it discussed, because they went back to a lot of the uh, Force Awakens stuff, too, of to see Ray's growth mirrored in Daisy Ridley's growth, in a way, from a certain point of view, uh, Daisy's gone through a lot. She's grown up. She was so young. This is her first big job. She had a little jobs before, but to see her grow... And, and, and along with with Ray and to see how John Williams explain again, like I was writing a theme for a young girl and just now she's a woman and the theme has to stay the same, but f- adapt and grow yeah. with the character and, and have it also grow with, with Daisy. Uh, I thought that was really powerful and makes the character even that that much more exciting to follow for me. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I, I think 
I think Kathleen Kennedy was talking about that as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she, hearing, yeah, she said, yeah. Yeah, seeing that presence and seeing like, yep, that's part of the magic and the power of Star Wars is, is it, it does reflect real life. And, you know, we hired this young woman at a certain point in her career to go on the journey of becoming, honestly, the hero of the production. Yeah. And you get to see in this documentary how much she physically, emotionally, everything has to be the hero. Everybody yeah. works for months and months and months. But if she doesn't bring it when she's acting yeah. out, healing the Vexus, if she doesn't show fear and anger and rage when she's fighting Kylo on the Death Star, there's nothing there. Yeah. So to see that's the real life journey that the actor has to take. Yeah. Uh, and that's also the story of Ray going, oh, I inherited this from Luke Skywalker and Leia Organa. Oh, no, I inherited this from Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher. Yeah. And I have to step up to honor them. I thought it was, yeah, real great, real simple, straightforward, but just kind of see it and, and, and use the old clips to kind of go back to where it all began, Force Awakens, yeah. first day of set, all that kind of stuff. I love that. Uh, there was this discussion, again, no surprise, but I wanted to get your take on it, especially as a writer, uh, is this 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 feeling this had to be a heart of darkness journey for Ray. Uh, very evident, I thought, but to see it plain, plain as day, any thoughts on, on Ray going into the darkness? Not the dark side, but darkness, her own darkness at times. Yeah, yeah. I think the what what hit me from this documentary is again the reminder of how far you where you have to go as an actor to get that. Mm. And I think I was really, really moved by a couple things. Okay. I was moved by seeing the all of the Pisana Ray Jedi stuff. The mm. uh, the her working out the turn. Yeah, with, that she does as she's uh, getting ready to face the Tie Whisper, Kylo mm-hmm. bearing down on the Tie Whisper, and, and JJ Abrams and Eunice uh, 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 Hart, yeah, working it out with her. And for me, it was like that. Ever since we saw that at Star Wars Celebration in the trailer, that's iconic now. Mm-hmm. And to see mm-hmm. those humans working out that iconic moment, and to see the strength she brought, to see the emotion that she needed to bring in, in yelling Chewie. You know? Yeah, that was one of my favorite little scenes. Right. Uh, yeah. And there's some great stuff in the novelization we'll talk about that and yep. really enhance that moment that's already uh, oh, yeah. powerful. But but I'll tell you, one of the biggest things for um, Daisy Ridley's journey, <laughs> the being really <laughs> bothered by the sand sled was so human. Mm. Um, mm. The sh- footage of her filming the Ray Skywalker, yes. which moves me every time uh-huh. um, and to see that both herself not just being a good actor it seemed like she truly felt it mm-hmm. and she to see that jj abrams did too that is one of the like i anybody can dislike the movie for any any reason that they want and that that moment gets memed and made fun of a lot that moment is impossibly powerful to me that mm-hmm. moment feels like uh, the fulfillment of a promise that I had in my heart since I saw Luke Skywalker stare at the twin sunsets mm-hmm. of there's something out there for all of us. We can all be Skywalkers. And to see that this was crafted by people who felt that weight. It's not cheap nostalgia. It uh-uh. is meaningful that the story of this family becomes a story of choice and the story of legacy and that found family is mm. important. Choosing your own destiny is important. Yeah. The idea that 
just the name Skywalker can mean so much and have so much power. And to see them both feel that mm. is humans. Uh, a, a, a noise came out of me mm. that I didn't even, it was beyond tears. We it were, was uh, deeply moved. Great. You just used that. Um, Grace and I sat there kind of in silence and, and, and Grace is, uh, you know, was very keyed on and uh, any anything going on with the performing uh, the performances of the art of acting. Yeah. But watching the silence of the set, watching Daisy be in that moment, uh, finding it as a character, tears down her face, and being there and just kind of uh, again evidence to me, like it, hate it, love it. It's not a throwaway. And to have Terrio say, and I know you, you and I can talk. We, I think we like uh, Chris Terrio. We love what he did here. Sometimes he talks and talks and talks. You just want to be like, hey, 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 hey. go back to the gym, Chris. Um, <laughs> you put it in the script. You don't need to say it. But I like, I like, he just said so simply, of course, that's how we have to leave this galaxy. And to me, that wasn't just about going back to Tatooine. But again, I still go, you know, people upset with that decision of the, the, the actual location. I'm like, where, where do you want it to go? Yeah. You want her to go to Coruscant to end this thing? Where do you, where do you want? It makes sense. It makes sense if you're writing the script. It may, I think I would have made the same decision too, and I ain't Chris Terrio, an Oscar-nominated <laughs> screenwriter. But I love that, and then I love how Daisy said, this moment, this is a story end. This is the end of the story, but the hope, and the, 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 even we'll talk about the novel, has some great yeah. stuff about it going on. Um, I was like... I, I, beyond tears, just yeah. silent awe yeah. of her performance. And I think it, it's without discussing it, it, it does get discussed briefly, but speaking to the great sadness of we didn't get to see Adam Driver be Ben Solo for very long. Yeah. That character oh, yeah. didn't get to be Ben Solo for a long time, for very long. Yeah. There's great tragedy in it, but I think that is the power of that choice yeah. of saying, this is a definitive end. Mm. And the end is... The family is gone. Mm. The legacy lives on. Yeah. And mm. and that's a huge part of the power of that moment and the power of the choice to say, let's make a strong choice. Yeah. Again, you talked about the news section with Lindelof. Make a choice. It might be not what other people like. Make yeah. a choice. Stand by it. Uh, and just the little things, you know, stuff we know that the, the, the sand crawler being a miniature, much like uh, going back. Oh, my it God. Just, yeah. And seeing the, the people in the Java costumes and the force perspective. Yeah, and the, oh, oh. Uh, one final note, I think we can go wherever you want to go on Dis- uh, Daisy Talk or Ray Talk. Uh, but I want to transition to a little bit of the Kylo talk yeah. as well. Uh, Daisy said she she wanted Kylo and Ray's relationship to be different than an eight uh, because she says I, I was really mesmerized by this quote is it has to be rage there rage there also has to be sympathy and understanding and i think that's the true connection of those characters but it needs to come from but to have it build from rage and have a, the actors start there and work there to get to this and find this underneath everything the sympathy and understanding i i just i thought again stuff that i thought was real evident on screen but to see that that was part of their process i enjoyed that yeah yeah and i, I like i like it as again somebody who has directed actors mm-hmm. sometimes you work with actors who are like tell me what to do and i'll do it and then mm-hmm. you work with actors who have a who have a passion Mm-hmm. And to see that she really has that passion of like going into it, I really thought this is where she should be. And it mm-hmm. makes so much sense to me of like, well, Last Jedi, nobody else is really there for me. So I kind of have this bond with uh, with him and I kind of have this peek into the dark side. Mm-hmm. He is he is my shadow. Yeah. And we start Rise of Skywalker like I want to be a Jedi. I want to be light, light, light. I don't want to look at my shadow. Go mm-hmm. the F away, shadow. I don't want you. It's cool to see Daisy really come to that. Like, yeah, that's where she'd be. Yeah. 
She just she doesn't want it and doesn't want it and doesn't want it. And when they finally do come together, yeah, sympathy. There was this moment here, and, and, and this uh, uh, I could listen to Adam Driver. He there, there's oh an actor's actor. God. I could listen to him and his and his understanding of of this character. This that's why we mentioned it in the stunt section of for Adam Driver himself to be like, I am protective protective of Kylo's physicality yeah. because in every movie. He's got some very distinct choices as an actor that the way he stomps, the way he holds his lights. Yeah. And to know that he is, this is why he's one of our, you know, now our, uh, this generation's leading, uh, you know, respected actors. Yeah. Actors. And, and, uh, well, counts a really good guy here. Um, this, I love that what he brings to it there. Uh, but there was just, so this is a lot jumps out in this moment and feel free to jump in with your own takes here. But, but, uh, he talked about, uh, he and JJ had talked a long time ago about the journey here and a, a path opposite of Vader. I mean, he goes from vulnerable to sure of his decisions, which is to me ties a lot to the throne room scene in episode eight, where he becomes Kylo Ren in that moment. Kind of yeah. like, yep, I got it. Still haunted. Still got th- some things going on. We know. Uh, I want to touch on this one though, and then we can dive in here. Uh, it, it was said at one point that Ray and Kylo, I love this, are soulmates in the force that are enemies. Circumstance pits them against each other, but the force binds them together. They understand each uh, each uh, each other almost from a point of fate. Yet fate has made them enemies. That I was just like, I I'm no means to like it. <laughs> well, it, it it is getting back to uh, like the deep spirit of why a new hope works because yeah. it comes out in '77 and it's got a lot of flashy new things, better special effects than anybody's seen, mm-hmm. beaten up spaceships which nobody's ever seen. But underneath all of that is this sense of the mythic and the relatable. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something both mythic and relatable about that idea of being really drawn to another person, being really seen by another person, but also the vulnerability of that, that means they see everything. Yeah. And what if it goes back to like Romeo and Juliet, it goes back to just right. the, the, I, I think there's just a truth in how we relate to one another as humans, almost like luminous beings uh, matching, drawn to one another. But then there's all this machinery of yeah. the world yeah. That that blocks us from just connecting because that person is, you know, supported by this infrastructure of society. And I'm kind of bound by this infrastructure of mm. society. And I, I think it, it, it just without us always necessarily needing to articulate it, it resonates. Absolutely resonates here. And there was this great moment of uh, they cut to a. A George Lucas interview and George talking about compassion and, and greed and we all have that and that's got to be in balance and you got to make sure they're in balance. And he says, quite simply, going to the dark side is out of balance. Yep. It's like George has an idea of what it is <laughs> to be balanced and some thoughts on Great Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And necessary rage. Necessary rage. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's great uh, scenes of, of the... Mm-hmm there's a shot of them filming the heel, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And like, and how much, how big a part of that, of Kylo's journey is that of not imagining that that kind of compassion was yeah. possible for someone to show to him. You got to say Ray, Ray's act of generosity uh, to Kylo is, is kind of what saved him. And, and, and I think in our book discussion, we'll go in a yeah. little bit more. This is where my, even my mind's like, yeah. wait, 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 but they do talk about that. Uh, some final thoughts. And I want to hear a lot of Adam driver stuff from you. If you want to go there. Um, uh, Kylo, uh, Adam Driver, Kylo, one and the same, really. 
has said, I said this, it struck me as Kylo has an absence of hope and Ben has hope. And that struck to me as a real world thing. And I think, uh, I think that sometimes is a scary thing. And we all, that's why that word hope is so important, no matter what that hope is, big or small in your life. And to see Kylo Ren as a character who lost all hope in all way, shape or form and have a complete absence of this wonderful, powerful, warm thing just made a lot more sense for what Adam was bringing to the character all three movies to me. Yeah, it's a great uh, distillation of things that Lucas has said about mm-hmm. the nature of the light and dark in humanity and to see Adam Driver really understand it in his own way. That's such a is a beautiful way to uh, imagine him playing like the scene in Force Awakens of if I have been convinced that people that I, I cannot be loved, these people who claim to love me don't really love me. I can never live up to it. Right. And imagine hearing all those things from your father that in theory are exactly what you want to hear, but you cannot let yourself believe them Mm. because you don't have the capacity for, for hoping that they're true. That was powerful. But then hearing him talk about it intermixed with shots of Ben Solo in Rise of Skywalker coming for Ray and talking about how he's, he's just got hope now. He's got Mm. hope that maybe this can work out. Yeah. That and he doesn't even know what that means. Yeah, you know? just go to Ray. Yeah, go to Ray. Yeah, go to Ray. Uh, any other uh, specific thoughts about Adam Driver and, and Kylo Ren? And, the the yeah. it, it's already been put on the internet, but the the little scene of them doing the intense lightsaber fight and and uh, Daisy Ridley, I think, slipping and hitting him a little bit and going, yeah. oh, "I'm so sorry, it's all right." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it was a very Adam Driver. You know, just, it, was, it was good. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. They're clearly both very, very intense. And I think Daisy really says somewhere in here, like, it's always been intense, especially with, with Adam. Like, you really have to dive deep. Yeah, well, because, you know, Adam uh, Driver has that reputation. I love there's that one clip. It's not even Star Wars related. Where he's, maybe it was Star Wars related where he's just like, if people say I'm intense, I don't, I don't see that. <laughs> I don't get that. <laughs> and, and I told you I was around him once. He popped by the collider offices. I didn't even talk to him and everything because I was I was pre-afraid. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just a dude looking for the bathroom. But there's just there's great purpose to him and great presence to yes. him. And it's a thoughtful presence. And I respect it. And this is why he is, of all the great things in the sequel trilogy I love, Adam Driver as a performer is still, I think, uh, my favorite thing in, in this stuff. Um, I want, let's transition to Han and Ben. We'll come back to some later yeah. stuff here. Change my notes up a little bit. Uh, they go to the Han and Ben scene. You and I love this scene. Yes. You you, you uh, have been ready for this scene since the moment it happened in 2015 <laughs> to see the other side of it, the yeah. touch of the hand. and see it's all there. Uh, I'll start here, then I want you to dive in here. Uh, interesting take from Adam. And, again, this is an actor with – what fuels him? What notes did he make in his script about what this scene is to him? It doesn't necessarily mean it's the facts of of the story. It's canon or anything like that because I, I, I think there is a slight different take on it, especially in the novel. Yeah. But his performance, what he brought into it was the conversation with his father is what Ben Solo has been replaying in his head for a while. And that is powerful to me because I think this might be – the first time it's in front of him in this visceral, I feel it kind of way, but that in some way, shape or form, since he did this on that catwalk, he has been having versions of this yeah. conversation. And I'm like, ah, just beautiful choice. And it makes sense to me. Yeah. Know? Yeah. In the part of the, it strikes me that the part of the catwalk scene, uh, that I don't think is literally repeated in rise of Skywalker is I want to be free of this pain. Mm, yeah. Right. Right. And if you imagine him on the bridge in, in Adam Driver's thinking of Kylo Ren is in pain and he has been lied to and believes if he takes this ultimate step to the dark side, if he mm. fully descends yeah. all the way into being a, a lord of darkness, 
then this conflict, this pull to the light will go away. Yeah. And what he finds instead is it's just more, he's fractured and it's more misery yeah. and it's more anger and it's just perpetual anger and pain. And that's what it is to be a Lord of the dark. So you'd see him probably pulling toward, well, what if I'd handled it differently, would have the, would a different choice have made the pain go away? Yeah. And, and probably not even wanting to entertain that thought, but just like Luke tells him in last Jedi, like, but you're haunted by it always. Ray tells him yeah. that at the beginning of rise of Skywalker. Yeah. I see through your mask you know, you're haunted by what you did to his father. So I, I think Adam driver is really onto something mm-hmm. of realizing I, maybe I should have made a di- different decision, but I never can. Yeah. So what's the point? And I love maybe playing around this idea that, yeah, this has been playing over, over and over in his head. And he's been able to make kind of the same decision in a way, shape, some way, shape or form every other time of like, nope, nope, I did it. I'm convincing myself or I'm happy. I did, you know, but this is the moment where it's like, uh, it ain't working anymore and I want to do what's right, but I can't, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, this is the final moment where replaying it in his head is not working anymore. It's not going the same direction. Yeah. Or just like, it's almost it. like he's playing it out for verification. Cause yeah, Le- yeah, Leia's yeah. always already reached out to him. Ray has already healed him mm-hmm. and he plays it back in his mind one more time and lets himself believe that that touch on, on the cheek was yeah. real. Yeah. And what decision would he make if he believed that his father loved him that much? Ah, oh, God. God, I love that scene. Yeah. Uh, Harrison Ford said this, and I don't know, I'd love to know specifically when the interview, because sometimes with Harrison, you don't know how much he participates or not. Yeah, I think that might have been an older interview older about interview. Force Awakens stuff. But. Yeah. Uh, he said, it's not that I wanted Han Solo to die, which is interesting for him to be just probably directly responding to this long-held yes. thought. Uh, Harrison wanted to kill him. It was more than that, because don't Harrison is a actor man yeah this is why he loves alden ehrenreich as solo because he loves his choices as an actor he says i wanted han solo to be able to lend some significant emotional weight to the story which is what he was telling george in 1982 whether yeah. making that no he served his purpose he served his fate i want it to mean something now and and you and i've talked about the journey i had is you know if his death not really uh, fully experiencing it the right way back in force awakens to see now to see it play out and, and i thought even if this interview was in 2015 2016 range it really does connect now doesn't it? yeah work. they they delivered on that promise yeah and in uh, it's not in this doc but in other places harrison ford saying uh jj and adam basically told me they needed me so i was there yeah of course yeah of course and of course. yeah and it, and it pays off. Uh, anything more on that scene or should we transition no, no, no. to Leia here? Uh, obviously, uh, Carrie Fisher, uh, Princess Leia and the legacy of the character and how they use the character was uh, going to be there a lot. I just love it on some of the technical stuff because um, not all of it. Even Grace and I had the discussion while watching the documentary. And I know Jennifer's had the discussion. It's not every scene with that character was a hundred percent home run. There was some little, you could tell some awkward beats, everything, but to get what that got out of it is still breathtaking to me and, and, and means a lot to, to, to me as a star Wars fan. So to see them actually be like our first week, we were like, what do we got? Yeah. What do we even have to work with? And to finally actually see some of the scenes. Yeah. was, I liked that a lot to see them literally going through the footage. Yeah. And I mean, talk about uh, pushing past your fear and <laughs> to find something beautiful. I think the way they frame this part of the documentary, too, of like, it's a quote we've all heard before of Carrie knew that Force Awakens was Han Solo's movie and Last Jedi was Luke's movie. And was this one going to be her movie? And just the commitment to be like, damn right, it's going to be Leia's movie. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we're going to pay off, as they just directly said. Yeah, it's one of the number one things that I loved about the movie coming out of it right away. 
they paid off the promise of, mm-hmm. uh, no, there is another. Yeah. Uh, and they did it in such a great and, uh, powerful way. And, uh, just the power of cutting back to that footage from with Carrie Fisher being so insightful and funny and, mm-hmm. uh, saying that she wishes that she could be like Leia. Yeah. That Leia is just fearless. You know, and you get the heart of it. And then Carrie Fisher, young Carrie Fisher, young I think Carrie Fisher, young yeah. Carrie Fisher who era, isn't yeah. confident to be the like, mm-hmm. I've done 800 one person shows. I am a known wit. Yeah. And you just see the wit peeking out because that's the truth of who that human being was. And to hear her go, you know, I just really wish I could be like her. She's just so strong. She just does anything. She's like, I wish I could be like that. I wish I could just walk out in traffic and say it'll be all be fine. It has to be. There's going to be a sequel. Yeah. It's like, it's just, it's such a just great yeah. joke. And that's the the power of Carrie Fisher and the power of, mm. that she brought to Princess Leia. Yeah. Of there is that huge amount of strength mixed with the utter humanity of that sense of, of humor. Mm. Yeah, I love what I, I, I had written about it, but the, the, the old Mike Douglas interview in June of 77, after the movies come out, it's already kind of a hit, and they're interviewing her first young 19-year-old, uh, 20-year-old Carrie Fisher, because she's the daughter of Debbie Reynolds, Eddie Fisher, and Mike Douglas is talking to her, and you could see Carrie's not yet comfortable enough to break out into, like, oh, F off, Mike. Like, just like <laughs> yeah. she's still she's playing not the game. Gary the dog to the interviews yeah. yet. Yeah, she, and, and and so to see the have Carrie give that quote around the you know the Empire era uh, and be like, yeah, she she was still. I think eventually uh, she she turns into that person. Yeah, and, and uh, uh, goes through a lot of tragedy to get there and, and a lot of struggles to get there, but she gets there. So it's a good reveal. Uh, I think it was uh, I believe it was Mel- Michelle Rejwan who is quite frankly all over this doc yes. and all over the shots, uh, both Force Awakens, which we knew, but. Uh, right there with Kathy. Now we know she's in charge of uh, live action uh, development of television programs for Star Wars. Um, I, she was the one who said, uh, you know, as we as filmmakers talked about answering the big question about Leia's journey, her power in the Force, all those kind of things. And and that kind of lent them to just, yeah, we got to do that training sequence. Yeah. I love that idea. Yeah. And getting to see the footage of Billy Lord mm-hmm. in the costume. Powerful, too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to do a yeah, we're trying to stay positive, right? Stay luminous. Yeah, I've seen a lot of those uh, when a lot of it was revealed when it, when it was revealed that Billy Lord was doing this, and there were some people. Oh, oh, imagine now you have to play your dead mother in a movie. And I'm just like, wow, what a what a misreading of the situation. Yeah. What a misreading. What a underappreciated and undervalued of Billy Lord as a, as a creator. And she a, made a, a human personal <laughs> yeah. choice to support the legacy yeah. of her mother the way she wanted to. And I love seeing it a little yeah. bit more here. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on Leia there? No, just uh, just so great, and yeah. so powerful. We could literally, I know we could. I think this time <laughs> we could literally do character by character for an hour. We got to kind of move on here. But the uh, Luke Skywalker, there was a lot yes. with Mark Hamill. Uh, I lo- you know what I love? I'll tell you what I love. I love that even though he's in one scene in this movie, he's all through this doc. That is a thing I and definitely wanted to talk it. about yeah. because. He is Luke Skywalker, but also one of the charming things about him is he's always been uh, the nerd of Star Wars. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, here, here we have uh, Carrie Fisher, is, you know, yes, the, the, the daughter of Hollywood royalty and mm-hmm. Harrison Ford, good gruff mumbling guy and, and yeah. Mark Hamill. Like, oh, I'm going to be in a science fiction movie. <laughs> That's always been the energy. And to see, especially after he did honestly, obviously have some ups and downs and struggles with Last Jedi. Yeah. To see him just want to go in and go, what you building? Is this from Hidden Fortress? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. He didn't literally say it, right? But, but like, like, I went to but, high school in Japan. I recognize these roofs. But there's this great, uh, for me, I, when I was watching, it's like, 
why is Mark Hamill there? And it's also like, it's so great that Mark Hamill is there. Yeah. Like, did he just, just want to come in? See how things are going? Was it a costume fitting? I kind of like not knowing, but just, you I mean, you get the sense like in the later documentary with John Williams, like, yeah, a lot of people wanted to be yeah. there for that, yeah. that recording, but just seeing him just kind of pop up of like, well, now he's in the costume department. Now he's like, it's probably just a day where they gave him a tour or whatever. Yeah. But it, it is fun again in that real world versus the mm-hmm. fantasy world to see the way the presence of Luke Skywalker is around touching everything. Mark yeah. Hamill is literally around touching everything. <laughs> well, because again, he's he's why he's there. But but it, it, it's it's more than just him there. It's him going walking up to the Babu Frick stuff, going, "Oh, is this the little guy that works on three PO in the script? What part of the script is this? Oh, this is a snow planet." Like he's taking it in, right? Uh, again, some of the narrative of him walking away from Star Wars and being upset with Star Wars in a way for me. Yeah. Yeah, he's still interested. He's still excited. There's still something coming out. Uh, uh, there was uh, an honest discussion and I, again, I don't think it's a pushback on 8 because 8, uh, Mark Hamill just kind of discussed some of the things in the growth of the character but if I have Daisy to kind of be like, I think it was important for Mark to come back and be Luke Skywalker. Mark Hamill calls him a, a symbol of optimism and that's yeah. the most important part of the character. Uh, that that is as much as I'm a fan of episode eight because of what it uh, does and teaches me about the character of Luke Skywalker. I, I loved hearing that because that is what that scene is to me. Yeah. Daisy really describes it as a relief that he's there. Yeah. It's a relief that Luke Skywalker is here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for me, you and I have talked about it a bunch. It works great that that uh, in The Last Jedi, Luke g- goes to a dark place so he can reclaim the mantle. Yeah. So he can face his fears and, and reclaim the mantle of, of the Luke Skywalker that has kind of lived in a lot of people's imaginations and clearly lived in Mark Hamill's imagination. Yeah. You know, we, we had this story in the news the uh, last week about Mark Hamill going out of his way to help uh, a child getting a prosthetic limb and doing a Skype video and talking with them about it. And I think, you know, I think Mark Hamill has been an ambassador of Star Wars and in the real world seeing the power of mm. Luke Skywalker as hero. Mm. So while I love Last Jedi, I understand why he struggled with that. And I'm really happy for him. And mm. I think he said it so well in this documentary of like, of all of Luke's traits, yeah. I really like his optimism is such a, a good way to say it of, yep. It's it. He has lots of other traits. Yeah. You watch Luke in Empire Strikes Back. He's not all optimism. He's, yeah. Yeah. he's pretty cranky in Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> um, Especially when but those the, seagulls keep hitting your knees. <laughs> He's upset. Yeah, the snakes bite you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just to see that general celebration from Mark Hamill and from Daisy Ridley of this was, uh, a, no pun intended, Luke Skywalker's moment to shine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, uh, my big thing to discuss about it is one of those, well, yeah, yeah, it's evident. And yeah, I knew that. And yeah, I understood it. And yeah, I've been telling people about it. But to hear the creators <laughs> kind of say it. And to say it in a way that even made me go, oh, yeah, 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 I love how they, I love how they looked at it. I love how they got to that point. This is Luke lift, lifting the X-Wing. And a lot of different people talked about it. There was one guy on set, I can't remember, even though I've watched it twice, and Terrio's talking about it a lot. But just pushing back a little bit on the idea that 9 ignores 8. Yeah. They were like, wow, the X-Wing's underwater in 8. Well, it was underwater in 5, and he failed to get it out. Now Jedi Master Luke was helping people even after death. He's going to get it out. Yeah. And John Williams is going to play the music. <laughs> and to me, this isn't nostalgia. You remember that thing? To me, it is what a character journey and a bookend for this moment. And I just was seeing it in, in simple, direct beats. And I was like moved again from a 
a producer talking about it. Yeah. I think the emphasis that they put in the way they talked about it, that this, yeah, it functionally, uh, it pays off. You have yep. everything you need and, and that's what Ray uses and the X-Wing ends up parked by the TIE fighter. And there's lots of cool moments about it, but to focus on it is just a moment about Luke and yeah. just that imagery of something that was submerged can be raised up again. Mm-hmm. And in his youth, he struggled with that. And now when he's come to this moment of peace and purpose, he is the master. He is the mentor. Not only can he do it, it's a joyful thing for him to do it. And making that moment just about his character is, yeah, it's a a beautiful kind of last moment for Luke Skywalker. It is great. We are kind of wrapping up this portion of it. We're going to get to some featurettes, but we cannot leave this without talking about... Palpatine, yes, Ian McDonald, and what Terrio and Abrams both talk about the generational story of the Skywalkers and the Palpatine, which I've seen some people's take on that, and I've muted them. Um, <laughs> so, and this also ties into the big discussion on Exegol. Uh, and, and just you had mentioned to touch upon it earlier, but J.J. wanting us to feel like ants underneath the giant's foot. Yeah. I loved even just that detail. And watching it again after the dock going, oh, oh I even like X-Men yeah. more. Uh, what do you think about all this? Yeah. There's so much to discuss here. Yeah, I think it, it was clear that they were looking at legacy and appreciating legacy from a what has literally happened in the story what has the journey been what is the poetry what what do we want to feel and i think really identifying palpatine is he is the symbol of evil yeah and and wanting to bring him back for that emotional journey wanting to bring him back for that sort of functional mm-hmm. journey all that really resonated uh with me i think there's that quote that i'm sure people are t- going to tear apart on social media mm-hmm. Where Terio says, that's what the story's always been, the Skywalkers versus the Palpatines. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. I think Terio is a great writer. I think he did a great job with this. I think every once in a while, in the way that he describes his own writing, Mm. uh, it sends people off in bad directions. Yeah. And I I think that was a clumsy way to phrase it. Because, yes, there's only ever been one Palpatine. Yeah. It hasn't been the story of the Skywalkers versus the Palpatines. It's been the story of good and evil. Mm. Palpatine largely weighing down the evil. Yeah. Versus the Skywalkers trying not to succumb to their own penchant mm-hmm. for for darkness. Um, so I, I absolutely love the spirit of what he's saying. Yeah. So for me, I can just go like, that's what he, he meant the spirit of that yeah. clearly. And yeah. go, oh, th- since he phrased it slightly awkwardly, hmm. but we have all phrased things <laughs> slightly awkwardly. <laughs> and uh, yeah. give him, as is taught in the film and in larger Star Wars, give him some empathy and some compassion. And yeah, I think that's really responding to that one quote. Cause even when I heard it, I was like, Hey, geez, people are going to be so upset about that. Cause it's an awkward turn of phrase. Yeah. But the spirit is true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think I think Palpatine is family enough, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and and in a way does represent all the Sith. Um, I I love because again, this is the return of Palpatine is is probably one of the bigger issues out there for a lot of people, which which I understand and I get. Well, you know, for those people, I think you should read the novel, but that's another <laughs> show that's coming out later this week. But I just love the idea of everyone reacting to Ian McDermott, if ever, even the Everybody. Michael Kaplan going, I love that he already looks like his action figure. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and, and, and Daisy going, well, I didn't see him till that day on set. I hadn't seen him in the full garb. And just to have this generation of performers get to see it all again and just have Ian McDermott be like, oh. You know, for 10 minutes, I was seen by George Lucas and it changed my life. I was the emperor of the galaxy and I get to do it again. What a yeah. blessing. 
What a blessing. What a blessing. <laughs> yeah. And I think he just does a great job. And I think the symbol of Exegol, mm-hmm. you know, they, there was they that great little scene in this documentary um, that uh, it, it was almost like the uh, the moment in the uh, the famous rock uh, mockumentary, uh, Spinal, Spinal Tap, Tap. <laughs> right? We're like, we thought the Sith statues were going to be this big. Yeah. <laughs> but JJ came in and actually said, not, <laughs> not three inches, three feet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, that he wanted that scale. I think what a, what was powerful to me about that is that that clearness of vision that Ray, even though she has inherited this force power, mm-hmm. is still just one person who has to have the strength to get past her fear mm-hmm. and do the right thing and to really symbolize this. Here is a literal mountain of evil yeah. that she is buried under in an arena. It's crackling yeah. with lightning with these ancient statues looming over her and to just make her feel like to me, it just, it does successfully craft an image that reminds you, you have power. Mm. Even when it feels like it is you against the entire world, you can push back against a mountain mm. and like mm. trying to make that a literal image and seeing that clarity of vision was really cool to me. Well said. I It made me again, having watched the movie after seeing this, and I'm already kind of on board for a lot of the stuff at the end. You, you know, I've talked often about it. It's like Mordor. It's like this, uh, but to actually, there's that one shot of Ray walking in, and it is shot as though she is an ant. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I like that. Lens flares, JJ. I take back <laughs> all the lens flares jokes I've ever made. Uh, there's a lot we could get into. Uh, I want to give you just an opportunity for other thoughts, likes, things you, you love, things we might have missed. And maybe, hey, what do you want more of in future? Yeah. I'll, I'll say uh, for, for the main doc, two little things I liked. Okay. Uh, one, in uh, I want to say this delicately. There is not enough Rose Tico in Rise of Skywalker for me. That is a, a an absolute critique I have of the film. Mm-hmm. I think she should have had a little bit of an arc, a little more screen time, a hero moment, a little something. Yeah. Uh, that has given rise to sometimes people saying that, oh, this movie is sexist mm. because it it bent to trolls. Trolls. Who uh, hated. Reddit, Reddit groups or YouTube yep. channels, angry yep. cars. Yeah, exactly. And, and I realize that there's a lot of nuance to that and there are a lot mm. of different opinions. I'm speaking to the one opinion that Rose having a diminished role means mm-hmm. it's a sexist movie. Right. This documentary was so uh, empowering to see the number of incredibly talented uh, diversity of women Mm -hmm. so powerfully involved in every moment from Kathleen Kennedy. Just Kathleen Kennedy being there for like, Mm -hmm. hey, which speeder design do we want? A lot. Yes. Uh, for uh, Victoria Mahoney yeah. getting out there in, in Pisana Desert, mm-hmm. Jordan Desert, working hard, having fun, making jokes, mm-hmm. uh, seeing the, the two women who were working on the throne room design. Yeah, yeah. Claire Uni- and Laura. Yeah. Yeah. Claire and Laura. Eunice Un- Hutheart, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Shirley Henderson, mm-hmm. Carrie Russell, uh, all mm-hmm. of Naomi Aki's, uh, you know, mm-hmm. great adventures on and on and on. Uh, Michelle Rejwan being yeah, so yeah. present for so much of it. This, this documentary is, is, uh, it is, even though it's, is, yep, it's a white man is the director. Got mm-hmm. it. Totally. And Chris Terrio, all, 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 you know, things to work toward. Mm-hmm. But just for me, I am affected. That's a thing that affects me when mm-hmm. I watch the doc- documentary in a powerful way. Yeah. To see all of these women, uh, making such, uh, mm-hmm. great and powerful, 
contributions to this film. It's it's a uh, yeah, I know what you mean when you saying about trying to say it delicately because that I don't want to erase anything about Rose. I don't want to about the conversation yeah. about the more for Rose, but I've always been kind of upset. Again, we keep joking about it and everything, but this, it's been a weird time post Rise of Skywalker for me personally with even people I work with and people I respect in the industry of just I think you're you're not paying attention to the bigger pictures. You're willingly uh, sidestepping a lot of facts to serve this particular thing that might not be wrong. The stuff about Rose or Kelly Richard yeah. might not be wrong to you, but you're then you're ignoring a bigger picture. Uh, uh, Grace was very moved. I was very proud to see what was going on in this production. But Grace, Grace was moved to tears over seeing just the, the list of of, of uh, women working on this production. And that means a lot. To, it should mean a lot to all of us, regardless if you have a girlfriend next to you on your couch <laughs> or not. But it was great to see. Uh, and, and, and I think that speaks to more to who J.J. is versus what some tweets about him might be in a decision they made, a decision that we don't even know the full picture of why some of the stuff didn't yeah. make it. I would love to see Connix and Rose have a uh, yeah, give me that. Yes, yes, I'll take yes. that now. Yeah. So it's good. I know what you mean. We want to speak. We don't want to diminish uh, any of the conversation, uh, especially if that's what you feel there. So uh, any other final uh, big moments there? Last thing is the button on this uh, main documentary of oh. uh, Michael Kaplan at oh, the, the door. door. <laughs> the door where for whatever just fun reason he measured everybody who came in and you see the spread and he's like here's adam (laughs) way down here is gary fisher uh and just walking through it all i think a part of it uh for me one of the things that really moved me about that is uh there's been these five films since disney uh bought lucasfilm and we've seen online with some of the the people going well is a great run yeah. When's Eunice Swatomo going to be chewy again? Yeah. You know, uh, is Michael Kaplan going to still be the designer? Is Neil Scanlon going to still be the creature designer? Uh, is uh, Brian Herring, who's yeah. uh, got a new friend to roll behind Dio yeah. while he rolls yeah. BB-8? Yeah. This team of people who've made basically these five films, mm-hmm. this was going to be a little era onto itself. Yep. And for you and I... Uh, it's been the, the four center era. Yeah. You've done this. Yeah. Yeah. So to just to see that door, not just be this movie, but this era mm. of Disney Lucasfilm Star Wars. And we're in that place right now that Stuart Freeborn was yeah. when he was like, maybe he'll steal the, the picture. We don't know what is next. Yeah. Maybe they'll come back three months from now. Maybe there won't be another Star Wars movie for even later than we think. Yeah. Uh, it was just such a, a bittersweet celebration of this era of star wars that door it that door really well i, I, I just said who gets that door <laughs> who gets that door uh quick thoughts for me we're running so long yeah. uh sally guinness revealed as <laughs> a oh, yeah. first order officer uh i love their discussion of anthony daniel's face coming through an expressionless mask and the fact that he changed the odds from 3725 to one to 3720 to one yes love that uh there was a moment with oscar's talking about his favorite scene he's shooting the scene with the uh, zori y'all know i love zori but to see a lot with, with carrie russell and what she brought her being there her eyes being present and and him being vulnerable on the roof because someone from your past who knew you in a different light reminds you of who you are great little moment with john boyega and naomi aki saying this moment uh, the importance of the purpose of a black man and a black woman leading a calvary into charge and having that hero moment meant so much to john he said he just just in a matter of fact passionate way and so i i always keep that stuff in mind when i hear 
it doesn't mean you can't criticize certain things about some of the character decisions, what they do with these characters, but it meant something to them. And that's what they brought to that scene. Yeah. And I'm like, that's why it's even more powerful for me to watch. Yeah. Uh, if that makes sense. You know, sometimes yeah. I hear a, a lot of this guy. Oh, why did, why did you do that? Why did you like, well, go to the actors who th- yeah. think this about that moment. And, and he referred to it as leading a stormtrooper uprising. He did. Yeah. Which I really like. I, I, I like, I've always liked that idea. And to see that he thought of, Hey, I'm here with company 77. Yeah. For me, this is for John Boyega as an actor. This is spiritually the idea I was after is we are standing up against our oppressors. Yes. And we're all here together and we were all former stormtroopers. When we review the book, I want to go a little bit more on that because I think the book shed some light into that because I understood people, because I was saying, yeah, what if he leads a, uh, a stormtrooper uprising? I think people wanted it more literal and this one was more internal for the character of Finn. Yeah. And I thought in the end, I, I am happy with that decision. And then to see this moment, I'm like, yeah, yeah, it meant a lot to him. And yeah. there it was. Final stuff on that. So ooh, we'll come back to it. The featurettes, because I know we got questions, everything. The Basana Chase, on location in Jordan, Ochi's ship and Dio, which I love to note about Ochi's ship. Hey, it's old, man. It's like Falcon era. Uh, <laughs> the Warwick Davis featurette, which was powerful to me. Amazing. Uh, and the final uh, Creature Features one. You always got to have that. Uh, they really went to the practical maths. But the John Williams featurette, overall, uh, Joseph, your thoughts, things you want to talk about, favorite mo- moments there as we wrap uh, up. Great to see details of uh victoria mahoney on set oh yeah and 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 then also to see exactly the the function of her footage yeah how it was being used uh on set in the jordan desert um great to see the okie pokey in detail hmm. the do one uh, i believe this was another moment that was just so uh jj abrams being human and and also a cut scene uh where they discussed it he had the idea that Ray immediately uh, warmed to BB-8 and they had this mm. immediate bond and maybe it would take a minute with Dio and that the squeaking would be motivated by Dio kind of annoying her. Yes. And they have Dio doing that very <laughs> yeah. classic, the vaudeville rubber tree plant cross. <laughs> and then in, in JJ Abrams is cracking up, cracking up and it, like, it's weird to see a scene where the actor is getting annoyed with the director because the director <laughs> can't get through it without laughing. Yeah. And then JJ Abrams goes, why is that so funny? And I have studied comedy theory. I wanted to go like, JJ, I, I could tell you why that from a theoretical standpoint, why it's so I just I really love that love moment. That. It was a great insight into a potential Dio uh, mm-hmm. cut scene mm-hmm. uh, from the, from the Warwick Davis feature. Another have to pause and go back is footage. I, I have not seen of him uh, on set as a child. Yeah. Uh, when I think before he's wicked, when he's just one of the Ewoks. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> some production coordinator is talking to him and he, he says, I need a spear. Are we going to be fighting? Is <laughs> yeah. a 12 year old, a 12 year old saying, I need yeah. a spear. It was, he's just so clearly like yeah. a kid who loves Star Wars is like, I, I need a spear to fight the stormtroopers. Yeah. What are you, an idiot? We're going to fight yeah. here, man. Uh, yeah, that was a really moving one. I think Warwick Davis and Star Wars is just a powerful tradition and important. And I love seeing all the, all the characters and, yeah. Um, his son and seeing what it meant. And even, even if it's just, it's, it is a brief moment, it's a brief moment in the movie, but to have it there, it meant a lot. And you can see that JJ's there and it, it was yeah. a big moment. Uh, and see some of the footage. Cause there, there is a, isn't there like a, someone out there listening might give me, give me more information. There is like a Warwick Davis kind of self-made shot documentary yeah. from Return of the Jedi, right? That they were showing clips of yeah. that, that clip of them all on the log, having the, looking at him at the different angles. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love seeing bits of that. And the John Williams one just... Good 
Good yeah. Lord. Uh, yeah. So the, the John Williams one, I think it, it's about John Williams and it's about the music, but it just sums up so much of the emotion of Star Wars. Uh, the, one of the things that absolutely blew me away in that mm. is footage that I've never seen of John Williams watching Empire Strikes Back oh, before yeah. it has the score in seeing John Williams react to seeing I love you, I know mm. for the first time. Mm. Like, if that footage exists, I want to watch John Williams watching Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. The full two hours, please. Yeah. Uh, Lucasfilm, put that out because we will just buy that. Unedited, just unedited. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I think, um, I can't remember how much is in this and how much mm. is in other places, just seeing the contrast of him being treated as the living legend that he is. Yeah. JJ yeah. Abrams in the main doc describing him as supernaturally gifted. Yeah. Uh, people building the 51 Oscar nomination. Oh, like, shit. and then him just describing the truth of anybody doing work mm. is, well, I sit down and I try something and sometimes it's not very good. So then I come back and I, Mm. Try to make it better. And then sometimes people make a suggestion. I'm like, that won't work. And they're like, oh, that does work. And like, yeah. he just gently, like the, the JJ asking him to just use Ren's theme as, as, that was as Ben's. And, and he's like, I'm not sure, but okay. And like, what do you know? It, it's, it, it, it is this great reminder again in those Star Wars themes of we are all powerful. We're all special. He is a living legend. He is. Yeah. His talent. It, it makes him a God among us, but he is also just a person. Yeah. And you could be John Williams. Yeah. He doesn't have something you don't necessarily. Mm. You might be just as amazing as John Williams is at scoring at something else. Yeah. If you do what he does, he's just like, I sat down and I tried again and I talked to people and I worked it through and I got some suggestions and just to see that contrast between like that, mm. uh, the, uh, the glory and power of John Williams and also he's like, oh my, was that one okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Turn around. It was great. Yeah. The, the turning of the Kylo Ren theme into the Ben theme in a way was, uh, got a blue Grace and I away as we sat and watched it. We just, we just loved it. And, uh, I, yeah, you know, jokes. You could give me a Ken Burns link documentary, eight parts on John Williams, and it would be a lot of just him sitting around going, eh, let's try this. And I'd just be mesmerized. I, I understand a lot of how creative processes and, and, and I'm, Okay, some of the things, and I can understand. Uh, I, I can't be a, a rock star, but I understand how it works, and I love the magic of it. I can't understand how he works. I'm just like blunt. And so that one little scene of him watching "I Love You, I Know" and just being like, "Oh, that's great. Oh yeah, I know what that needs." Yeah, yeah just like, "Oh, <laughs> give me more." So give I'll just more. with a pencil write down some notes, and it will eventually become this. And then uh, to see all those people gathered there: J.J. Abrams, Kathleen Kennedy, uh, Mark Hamill. For those final recordings. Bob Iger in jeans. Bob Iger in jeans. uh, Seeing them all weep at Leia's theme. Yes. uh, Is just, again, it it is a a cure for cynicism Mm -hmm. that this world, this history, this story means as much to all of them as it does to us. It does. Well... Uh, I think we'll have to end. <laughs> we have some stuff to get to here on this Super Sess edition yeah. of Force Center, but I know you all uh, enjoy it there. So uh, uh, that is our look at the the rise of the bonus features. More to come right now, though, Joseph. We're going to go to our Power of the Light Side segment. That is right. Uh, this week, the Power of the Light Side it comes from Jeremy uh, Gillis, I believe, or Gillies. And uh, these are suggestions that we asked for for some of our Patreon members for something about Star Wars that they love, why they love Star Wars. Jeremy says 
The memories that stick out to me with Star Wars and the power of the light side comes from two areas. I was big into Legos when I was a kid, and when the Clone Wars show was coming out, I remember wanting to get clone troopers and collecting the clone trooper battle packs. Mm. I had many fun afternoons having the troops meet with characters like Superman and the rest of the DC (laughs) universe, or the other heroes I had made. The other powerful memory is watching the movies in theaters with friends and family. I don't actually remember much of the movies. I had to go back and see them by myself later to catch all the details, but the anticipation of being in line and talking with my friends was amazing. We don't get a chance to see each other much after we left school and getting a chance to catch up and have fun with them made the memories special. You know, memories, Star Wars, Legos. This is all of my, our journey. Definitely mine. <laughs> yeah. From, from friends to clone trooper battle packs. Yeah. It, it is the, the magic of all of the, uh, everything that explodes out from the stories themselves. And I like the powerful memory. He says of watching movies, but not really fully understanding, but the fact that you were there, I have a little bit of that with, uh, my first time seeing return of the Jedi. Yeah. I, obviously it pulled me in and I got it, but it's just a rush. I was seven. Yeah. I just remember the experience. Remember the theater. I remember being in line, being my, remember my sister crying when Yoda died. <laughs> yeah. Those are the memories that last yeah. more than the plot great stuff jeremy thank you to audience questions we go to twitter derek norris when palpatine visit was was palpatine visited by jedi when he was young to possibly be trained i hope for a deep dive into palpatine's life someday well, that's a great question yeah it's a I'd juicy one love right? to see that college recruiting trip <laughs> yeah yeah and there is some stuff about uh younger uh palpatine life in the darth plagueis novel which mm. is no longer canon so sure. there's right because there's some stuff with him it's kind of a teen 20s yeah right? yeah uh, definitely yeah and kills on, his family actually yeah, yeah. yeah. In, in a rage as yeah. you do mm-hmm. uh I I would love yeah to see hear how the jedi missed him on naboo if that was he masked himself even at a young age or right. if are the you would think of the Jedi who sense like, Hmm, real uh, evil baby. <laughs> <laughs> not. And I like the story that Palpatine was not just born evil. I like the story that he, he made a choice he and he choice. never looked back. He has nothing yep. of Anakin or Ben or, or Asajj Ventress in him. Oh he, yeah. He made his choice and, and, he has grown in power and he has rotted because he's, of it. You know? he, he's like that, that uh, little girl in the old memes gr- uh, grinning at the, as the fire is raging behind <laughs> her. And I think that girl's now 70 the way memes work. But yeah, yeah that's Palpatine at some point. was just like, mm-hmm, I'm good. Yeah. But I, I agree with Derek. I would love uh, some, some young Palpatine story. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I like the idea that maybe by the time he was aware of it, he could hide himself. Uh, yeah, I love that he knew that he had. Yeah, yeah or was he found by Plagueis at a really young age and like kind of yeah. left in Naboo society, but sort of taught how to hide himself? Maybe we'll get those answers, Derek. Just joshing writes, do you believe the Jedi, insert plural pronunciation in other languages here, would have survived in the Geonosis arena if they truly let their force abilities unleashed? Or would they? Uh, what would have uh, been the end for them without the clones? Ah, that's interesting because we we've been talking about a lot. We talked about in the Clone Wars review this week for Clone, Clone Wars Report. Uh, you know, the Jedi got some rules. They got some codes. They got some ways to do it. Anakin always kind of wants them to go uh, the distance to do what they need to do to win. Maybe win quicker. Ooh, could they have done that? What do you think here? For, unleash those force abilities. Yeah, no, I know. I totally know what you mean because you uh, you get the feeling like, well, the Jedi, some Jedi could have made an outer circle yeah. to protect from the blast, and then some other Jedi could have like lashed out with the force. Maybe who yeah. who knows? Um, to me, I think the spirit of it of that storytelling is they are overwhelmed mm. that 
maybe it is because they hold themselves back because they don't fully unleash the power of the force, but that is too many droids and, and Dooku being a former Jedi knows Yeah, you can only deflect uh, so many blasters. And I, I think the spirit of the story is they would have been done for without yeah. the clones. Maybe a couple of them would have survived. Yep. I agree but with that. also you got Dooku of like, if, cause Dooku could have waited in there himself yeah. as well. Uh, to Patreon we go, Harrison Mueller, what's your favorite Star Wars poster? I always love it when new posters come out so I can change the wallpaper on my phone. I also love getting physical versions to hang on my wall. I purchased the Episode 3 poster for my 21st birthday last month, and oh boy, is it beautiful. There's so many good ones. The Last Jedi especially was some fantastic, uh, had some fantastic posters that were used throughout its marketing campaign. Anyway, I was just curious as to what your favorite posters were and why they stuck with you. May the false be with you always. Um... Yeah, I love a good Star Wars poster. Uh, I love that IMAX special edition uh, Rise of Skywalker one that's out of Poe's X-Wing flying towards the Sith uh, fleet. Um, Last Jedi one. Oh, yeah, I think that's the Dolby one. Dolby one, yeah. yeah. So IMAX Dolby one. Um, but my all-time favorite one, and I still have it. It's not in great condition, and it just survived a car accident, and I pulled it out and <laughs> took it home is the Phantom Menace, Phantom Menace teaser of uh, young Anakin in the shadow. The Shadow of Vader. Yeah, I just love that one. It, that's insanely powerful. Uh, yeah, for recent ones, I would really like to find it. They were out of it by the time I went to an IMAX theater. There's a Rise of Skywalker one that's Ray in the foreground, but then the mm. kind of intermixed shadows of uh, Luke, Leia, and Kylo. And it's really boiling down the, the Skywalker. Mm. Skywalker. But my favorite of the old ones I got, I, I have a small print of it I'm going to hang up, is the it's the New Hope re-release hmm. but the, it's the first thing that drew struzan yeah did for star wars and he did it with a, a another illustrator charles white the third uh but it's the it's a different hmm. take on the star wars poster but the main thing i like about it is it's made the poster is a of a poster on a board hmm. and it's peeling away yeah yeah that's uh right. and, and so it not it's a re-release so it's already celebrating like the success of star wars but i like that poster and that's one of those things of like nostalgia has already been a part of star wars it's yeah. always been a part of star wars and here it is on a re-release and they're already celebrating just with the image the idea of this is something that's been with us a long time here's a very exciting poster that's been you know plastered up somewhere over town and it's already kind of peeling at the sides but it's still there yeah, it's that's just it's Star Wars. Uh, it is Star Wars indeed. Great question, Harrison. Great question. Uh, Kyle Barrett, final thought of the day here. Do you think a Star Wars movie will ever have a child as a main character again? No, not the child from The Mandalorian, but a young actor in the lead. As someone who grew up on the prequels, uh, seeing little Annie blow up the Trade Federation station above Naboo as a kid was awesome. And it impacted me more than even Luke blowing up the Death Star. Could we ever see a young character like this take center stage again? Or with some parts of the fandom, sadly... Angry and vicious would safeguarding the young actor be an impossible task. The initial reaction to Resistance being a kid show and what some wrongly see as the Disneyfication of Star Wars, what would the would the backlash be too great? Or could the success of Stranger Things herald in a Star Wars project with teen actors? They go stop rambling now. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Kyle, no ramble indeed. Great stuff. Great thoughts. I love your perspective of, of little Annie affecting you more than Luke. That's uh, what we talk yeah. about a lot. Uh, yeah, Joseph, this, there's a lot of good points that Kyle brings up uh, that would make me say no, but everything's possible. Everything's possible in the Force. Yeah, I think that uh, what happened to Jake Lloyd would not happen 
today. Right. I think uh, that uh, the, the helpers, would, <laughs> you know, the Mr. Rogers of the Internet would, I think, mm. help try to protect yeah. somebody from being uh, a, a child, from being mm. mocked uh, for their performance uh is happened uh, to jake lloyd in uh, thankfully in a uh, not as advanced internet time yeah um so i i think there's that element i get what uh, kyle is saying as well about uh, people have a back and forth relationship of like yeah it's for kids but uh, yeah. but but make it for me yeah <laughs> uh that said i think kyle is really onto something mentioning stranger things what a great yes. example of something that did star kids Mm -hmm. children actors uh i think the most likely thing is some sort of jedi academy story right if that's a disney plus show if it is a movie someday because we don't know what the movies are going to be i would love to see a cast of uh child actors as charming as all the actors who uh, are on stranger things and you get to grow up with them for real in a jedi academy type story that would be awesome and and i take kyle's point it's powerful for kids to see kids be heroes it would be be an interesting ingredient to star wars going forward of really taking it back to uh, the heart of star wars for children and all of us uh (laughs) kyle harrison just josh and derek thank you for your questions happy to answer them uh, as always hey if you have a question for us thoughts on uh, today's episode or more you can reach out on twitter at force center pod use the hashtag force center like our facebook page we're on instagram youtube as well uh podcasts available a lot of different spots including uh, iHeartRadio, radio apple Podcasts, google play sitcher tune in and more uh we have merch you want to support us through that uh, avenue go to tpublic.com slash user slash force center and on patreon patreon.com slash force center i i i have been in, in contact with tony thaxton he just got off the road as a you know he's a very successful mu- musician too now when he uh, beyond just crafting great force center <laughs> themes so just got off tour and we're working on new star wars rank stuff joseph uh, and, and we got other goals, uh, coming yeah, up soon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we've, uh, we're, we, I know we say this every week, but we are trying to make some plans and hopefully we'll have some more news, uh, coming soon. But if you're interested in being a part of the community, getting access, uh, to the discord, sharing some power, of the light side, all that kind of stuff. If you want to check out what that's all about, you can go to patreon.com slash force center. We got a lot of stuff we work on too. Um, yeah, a lot of times we talk about star Wars and that's what we do, but, uh, we got uh, comedy writings, anything else, uh, you can go uh, find out my, uh, information on my adventures at kennapsock.com joseph yeah uh, i would normally be pitching a show but yeah. uh, I, I canceled <laughs> that uh, as is the want of the world right now uh so if you want to check out a, a thing that would maybe help you pass the time and it would help me out is to check out my comedy albums uh there are several of them and you can find them on my website at josephscrimshaw.com i wrote a book uh many years ago so you can also find info about that on my website and uh follow me on twitter and instagram at joseph scrimshaw my website is my name to josephscrimshaw.com that is it for this week hey remember last week where we got an episode under two hours not today (laughs) hope you enjoyed it this was force center Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.